welcome to Achievement Hunting 101. I'm Fufu Cuddly Poof, and this is level 278. Joining me tonight is Big L. Why, hello, it's Kenneth. And Kusbush. What time is it? And <laughs> as you can hear, we also have the return of Michelle. I can't top what time is it. <laughs> Sorry. A little pre-recording humor. Sorry. A pre-recording callback. Yeah, it was it was worth it, though. That that joke's for us. Not for you, but it will stay in because you guys explain that's how it to me after, works. Explain it to me after the show. Um, If we remember. Yay. Next week when you listen back and you're like, what was that? <laughs> yeah, we'll try. We'll try we'll to see remember. if we remember, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's it's been a while since it's been the four of us. It's been a while since you've been on, Michelle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, gosh, how long has it been? Like, there's a part of me that feels like I last recorded like a couple weeks ago, but I know it's been a couple months more realistically. Oof, I don't even know. As the kids say. Well, when you recorded, I believe uh, the Xbox One launched. <laughs> oh, okay. But that, <laughs> what? Just disappointed. It's it's all rushing back now, right? Was, right now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the reasons, uh, the the reasons, reasons are all rushing back. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason is oh. Oh, please stop. Let's. Yeah. Uh, I wow. mean, I remember the format, right? We have a patron question we can jump into. No, no, we have food. Yeah, no, we have food talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna take the heads off. And enjoy the rest of the recording. <laughs> Typically, have we have food talk, but not um, Michelle. Well, you know right, what? what it's, it's allowed because it's Thanksgiving week. It, like, uh, I, I think too, it's nothing okay. too crazy. Nothing too crazy. Just name the top fifteen sides uh, for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Well, what, what I'd like to hear from okay. you guys, in addition to our, our lovely patron question, is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish. I will allow food talk in that capacity. Oh, yes. mm. Mm, sprung down up there. You want to do like a draft style? No, no, no. We're not doing tears. Just, just one favorite <laughs> Thanksgiving food stuff uh, once Kenny have- reads us the patron question. Gotcha. Oh, we gotta do patron question first, then we get get the no, food talk. Wrap it into your food talk answer or your um patron question answer when it's when Fine. it's your turn. All right. Well, in that case, let's hurry up and get these patron stuff over with so we can talk about food on this gaming podcast. <laughs> uh, but this week we have a double header. We have two questions for you. One is from Vulgar Latin, which very. Easily is, what are you thankful for? And then the second being from Northern Last, who says, what is the best Xbox game played with family or friends during the holidays and why? And just a side note that we threw out to him, if you're picking Jackbox, please also provide the games within Jackbox that you like, to, to, that you uh, enjoy. Also, if your family plays board games, maybe throw them out as well. But first, we're going to go to L. Why don't you go ahead and read some answers all first? Okay. Well, first, I'll I'll go ahead and say I'm thankful uh, for, of course, my family and my friends and food. So all the F words I'm thankful for. I love all F words. Um, football, 
It's a good one. <laughs> um, fondue. Any F word that you could think of, I am thankful for. Fruitcake. Farfic Nugan. <laughs> Funeral. <laughs> I mean, Fufu. I'm definitely thankful for funerals, yes. Wow. Now I met my wife. That's dark. So, um, <laughs> Wait. I'm fine. Nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Formaldehyde. Go ahead. And that's the other half. <laughs> <laughs> Flora, form. Oh, wait. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, vulgar Latin says. I am thankful for all that donated to Extra Life. And you can still do that till the end of the year if you want. And for my family and friends, for my girlfriend. More F-words. I'm thankful that my life is in a state, Nebraska, where I can buy video games and play them and be comfortable financially. Argentina. And for all of you. Aww. Uh, Who's he talking to? The patrons? I think he's talking to us? us? Yeah, I think he's talking to the panel. Specifically. Okay. I think us, mm -hmm. yes. Uh, and he says, if I was playing games in the holidays, most times it's board games. My family really likes No Thanks, One Night Ultimate Werewolf, and Secret Hitler. I have no idea what any of this is. Well, I was going to ask Michelle. I'm sure she knows them all. I've heard of I, Secret I'm pretty... Hitler. Yeah, Secret Hitler, I'm pretty sure, is a, a social deduction style game. It's like Assassins is the same way where, you know, you're trying to parse out. It, it's sort of like Among Us. You're trying to parse out who in the party got, like, the Hitler card, I believe. Oh, um, like Mafia. Yeah, or there's another one called uh, Salem, I believe. So there's there's a whole run of oh, games okay. that I believe that's in that. Oh, yeah, they're fun. That type. But I'm not familiar with the other two. Uh, Devin was actually talking to me about no thanks yesterday and it sounded good at the time but i don't claim to remember it now i mean it sounds very polite like do you want to play no thanks no thanks does that mean you're confirming or are you saying no like i'm not sure but uh one night ultimate werewolf all right do some research nate come on you know you're a big board sure. game connoisseur oh i love board games yeah <laughs> Parcheesi. <laughs> yes. Yahtzee. Clue. Uh, <laughs> Go. I hate Yahtzee. What? What's that one with the stick and the dirt and the stones? What, what? That's called 1960. That oh, okay. Oh, 1960. <laughs> People were banging rocks on flint to create fire. Yes. The ancient Remember ages. That one with the hoop? The hoop and the stick. That was a great game. I love that one. I know what you're talking about. It had like marbles on the top, right? And you had to not drop the marbles. Is that the one you're talking about? No, no. You you basically just rolled a hoop down the road with your stick. Oh, you're oh, oh. a tree. Oh, right. right. Okay. He's exactly. Now Nate wants a hoop. <laughs> Northern Last says, "I'm thankful for my family, of course, but also thankful for Game Pass and the endless list of games it gives me access to." Yep, it's definitely endless. That is correct. I'm also thankful for yes. the occasional store error, which gives me a free game for a few days. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I'd like to hear more about these store errors. The occasional bank teller that gives me the wrong amount of money, you know, <laughs> occasional. 
occasional robbery that you do. Last holiday season, I played some of the Let's Sing games with three generations of my family, and we had a blast as everyone had a go at singing, and my mother-in-law was in hysterics watching her son and grandkids try to sing. It's a core memory for me and my kids. You know, I've always wanted to try the Let's Sing games. I know there's a ABBA one, and I like ABBA. I think there's a Queen one, too. I'm just curious how, if it's like Rock Band and they worry about the pitch, or if they just let you sing and go nuts. That's that's my guess of what they... Maybe it's both. I mean, if, if grandparents are playing and grandkids, I'm sure they don't rate you too harshly and let you sing. That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Oh, man. If you wanted to play Let's Sing, you could do uh, Rock Band. They have, like, the singing parts. Oh, Rock Band. That's an interesting take. <laughs> yeah, these are all great answers before Jackbox existed. But now, Jackbox seems to be the ultimate king of the party. Most, oh, it's the best most, party game. Mostly because not everyone knows how to use a controller, but everyone knows how to use their phone. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a built-in controller. And if you don't have a smartphone, you probably have a laptop sitting around, and you could use that instead. If you don't have a smartphone, you're probably a boomer. There's some kids that are like, you know, six, seven, eight years old that don't quite have their own phone yet, but they want to play oh. Jackbox. It does happen occasionally. Well, I was it does happen occasionally. But they are working and they're they're saving their money. So. <laughs> like Nate's yeah, daughter. Kids aside, I'm an adult. When Nate's daughter turns 18, she's going to be really happy to get that phone. Yeah, when she comes back from the mine and gets a shower, she's going to be <laughs> super psyched to play on her phone. <laughs> She's going to play Bluey 6, and it's going to be fantastic. I think frequently what happens with Jackbox at family events is the host family has a spare computer. They have a tablet for one of the kids. Like I think I remember years ago at your house, like your kids had like Kindles. like oh, Those stupid like those. But, Amazon but they could work, Kindles. But yeah, they work. But they could work for Jackbox. Ugh, they're so the worst. Even if people didn't have devices, there were enough devices in the house to make things work, which is also why mm-hmm. it winds up such a great party game, because nobody has to be left out. Yes, and a lot of the games are six players, eight players, some are even more than eight players. So With the audience, it could be any number of players. Yes, sometimes there's an audience. I'm not going to name specific games yet. I'm going to see what everyone else answers first, because I know there's going to be several. So we'll move on That's down. his way of saying he doesn't have one. Yes, I don't have any. <laughs> I have lots, believe me. Oh, I know you do. That was definitely a joke. I know you have there's lots of answers for this the, one. With the um, drawing. Uh, darn, I forgot. No, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to me later. Man. Your memory is Drawful. Oh, Drawful. Well played. Get it. Drawful's fun, actually good on the laptop. You have all this real estate you can you can mess with and use your finger. And on the phone, it's kind of limiting. See, the Jackbox games like that makes me glad I have the phone I do because it comes with a stylus. Oh, that's cool. Like a DS. Yeah. Dumb stylus. Go ahead, Gucci. Well, thanks for asking. Mighty Mango <laughs> says, I am thankful for the community that this is. It is one of the few escapes I have anymore, and even though I am not as present as I once was, I still greatly appreciate it. 
I've been friends with people in this community longer than a lot of people I've actually met face to face. I'm also thankful for my wife that is tolerant of my crazy hobbies. Agreed. Um, Eruterk says, uh, nailed it by the way. I'm thankful that I can't afford to live my life. Wait, hold on. I screwed that up. I'm thankful that I can <laughs> afford to live my life how I want. Oh, he's backwards. <laughs> I'm surrounded by good people. <laughs> Even if those people can be, um, <clears throat> not the nicest. I'm also thankful that nice I've got safe. a girlfriend who has incredibly similar interests to me. So my enjoyment of video games, board games, and manga is matched by someone equally as nerdy. I don't play Lucky. games with my family. Dad doesn't play them, and my brother and I don't have free time that matches up that much. But I have a couple of friends that my girlfriend and I meet up with each week that we play board games with. Uh, Telestrations mm. and sound uh, and sounds fishy are both really good fun, and Quiplash slash Fibbage are a couple of favorites from Jackbox. That's cool. I uh, I know those things exist. Those are words. Uh, but I, I haven't played <laughs> Jackbox. I don't. I don't have that kind of. I don't run with that crowd. That uh, is young enough to play the Jackbox. I'm sorry. Like I would have to explain how Wi-Fi works, and you know, to, to the <laughs> to the people that show up to my Thanksgivings, uh, it's kind of hard to do that. Uh, so yeah, of course, what am I thankful for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> more food for you. So what am I thankful for? Obviously, uh, you know, family and health and all that stuff. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, having this great hobby, um, you know, uh, the acquisition of Blizzard. Um, uh, mm -hmm. What <laughs> what types of games? Uh, what types of games do we play? Uh, we don't really play games uh, with the family uh, at these sorts of events. Uh, but what I do do, or what I try to instill uh, with my little mini me, um, is I try to get her into puzzles. So around holiday times, we set up, uh, we we clear all the stuff all the art projects off of one table in the sunroom and that becomes our puzzle table so we set Ooh. up a puzzle or you know and we all work through a puzzle as a family over the course of however long when that's done we put a new puzzle up and also i wanted to uh start doing uh, lego with her uh, for the holidays so uh trying to get a new lego project every christmas um but of course lego is expensive so i get like the knockoff um, just to see if it would work. Oh, and we got don't. about sixty. We got sixty percent through the project last year, so that was a good. That was a good thing, you know, on my part to not get the full hundred dollar Lego thing. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm going to try it again this year. If we do well, then then yes, I will then start shelling out for the big bucks uh, for Lego. Uh, but this one had lights, so and LEDs, and batteries, and stuff. So that's kind of cool, um, and it was affordable. So, but yeah, uh, so that's what I do for games, uh, just with. You know the you know the immediate family uh, in my household. What about you, Kenny? Well, first I'll read from uh, Philip Wendell, who says, "Like everyone, I'm thankful for my family and peaceful life where I can pursue my interests, regardless of how nerdy they may be. Specifically, to gaming, I'm thankful that there's enough global interest and investment to create amazing gaming experiences. As far as my family games." When my kids were younger, we really enjoyed playing Rock Band. There you go. And Karaoke Revolution. Good times. Yeah, Rock Band. Definitely one. That's a good one to play with everyone. Everybody likes music. And then P-Tart says, I am very grateful for my amazing husband and our two wonderful boys and the life we have created together. I'm also thankful for the community, both in person 
friends and online friends. Both communities have been there to support us through the ups and downs. When my family gets together, we usually play Jackbox. Our favorites are Trivia Murder Party. That's the best one. TKO, Drawful, and Faking It. We sometimes play a card game called Sevens and really enjoyed a board game called Sushi Go. Good answer. Uh, you eat sushi on Thanksgiving? So, no, Sushi Go. It's oh. an amazing board game. It's a, it's a well, it's more of a card game. It's a great card game. Like, that actually kind of plays into my answer. So, so that's like Go Raw Fish? Yeah. No. Oh, I'd like to hear about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like everyone, I'm I'm thankful for the for my family and it's easier to look it up, man. For our, for my family and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, for the board games, we don't really play too many games together, like a Jackbox or anything like that. Just never really have. Um, but we do do card or board games. Our go tos are Dutch Blitz, Phase Ten, and Sushi Go, uh, Rummy. We like playing that kind of stuff. There's also another new version of Sushi Go that we got. I forget what it's called, but it has like a little table in the middle that you spin. It's even better than the actual card game Sushi Go. I have played some games, or I'm planning on playing some games on Thursday. So my brother has his son this year for Thanksgiving. So... One of the things that he's really into is like racing games. He really likes like Mario Kart. And the last time he was over, I showed him uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed. And he loved that game. And it was also great because Oliver, he likes cars. That's all he really plays with. He has a whole bunch of Hot Wheels and stuff like that. So like the two of them would sit there and play it. You know, Oliver's too small to play, but he liked watching the cars go around the track while his cousin w- would play the game. So I could foresee us doing that. Um, and then the other game that might get played, I don't know. Uh, very out of left field because it's not really a co-op game, but the Spyro, Spyro Reignited Trilogy. That was always one of a game that we would play as a family when, when I was younger. And every so often that will get brought up and like I have it installed on my Xbox because I don't know, like my mom or something might be like, I kind of want to play it and I'll just be able to sit there and turn it on. Then we just play a couple of levels and then turn it off. Don't really go through a whole game. Just do a little thing here and there just to kind of bring back some of the memories. I might try to get some people to play some uh, Crash Team Racing to also relive childhood memories and stuff. But I don't know. As no real game game video game plans more just card games but uh how about you michelle um let me start with the couple the final pair of patron responses we have here so chewy on ice says i should say i'm grateful for my family and relatively comfortable life in a lovely part of the world which of course i am but right this moment, I'm most grateful for my friend MTP, MDP for getting me Hogwarts Legacy from the Black Friday sale as an early birthday present. That's a good friend. When I have Dang. friends around, we usually crack out the Jackbox with Quiplash, Fibbage, and Drawful being the standard go-tos. We also like in real life games like Werewolf, Love Letter, Obama Llama, Articulate, Bananagrams, and Scrawl. Um, Obama Llama? Yeah, I'm not familiar with that either. I, I mean, I have... Uh, bananagrams as well and that definitely 
sometimes will get uh, you know, pulled out at family gatherings just as something to do. I don't think we ever play with whatever the proper quote unquote rule set is or the quote unquote proper rule set. I just put quotes around the wrong thing. But, uh, you know, we just kind of make letters with the tiles and or make words with the tiles. And that's a good time. Uh, Wild West says, I am grateful for my family, health and job right now. I'm also grateful to get to know a lot of you. I have enjoyed this community. As far as gaming goes, my family uh, is old school card games. As far as gaming with my family mm-hmm. goes, pardon me, uh, it's old school card games. They don't like playing video games, though we have been starting to do some VR stuff. I would like some elaboration on this VR Ooh. stuff because my my concern with VR has always been that only one person can really enjoy it. So I'm curious how that works in a, a family environment. Yeah, especially um, when you're going to dock into your uh, family members. And especially that's if they I've don't seen. like video games, but they'll play VR. That's a big jump. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear more for sure. Uh, you know, speaking for myself, I'm too thankful for my family. I'm thankful that I have a good work environment, that I enjoy actually going into my job every day and that kind of thing. Because I know that a lot of people don't get to share that sentiment. Um, you know, I'm thankful for the community and all the people I've met through Xbox. So I'm, I'm thankful for that as well. Uh, I, as we've been talking through this, I was thinking, like, does my family really play games on Thanksgiving? And I realized because of the way that things are set up in my place, they don't. We, I, my game console is in my bedroom. That's not where people hang out when we're all over for Thanksgiving. We hang out in the living room where we're <laughs> eating and watching football. Uh, so, but I did put my old Xbox One out there earlier in the year. So maybe this is the year we try to see if we can get everyone on board for some Jackbox and see how that goes. Uh, many years ago, it was Rock Band, just, you know, because there was something on there for everybody to sing. My niece would sing the SpongeBob songs. My mom was cool hearing the Roy Orbison songs. Everybody was happy. Uh, but that, that's been some time for sure. These days, so I do my, I'm, I obviously have my Thanksgiving uh, with my family. I'm also doing stuff the following night with my friends, sort of a Friendsgiving sort of thing, because everything needs a catchy title. Uh, we play tons of board games. That's mostly what we get together to do. So particular favorites for us are Return to Dark Tower, which is awesome. It's, there's actually this tower in the middle. It's linked up with Bluetooth and it's, it's very cool. I oh, love yeah. that game. You told us about that. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and the other one I is need to check that out. Uh, Mysterium, which I also told you about. Mysterium is basically Clue, but with a psychic bent. So one of the character, one of the players plays uh, the person yeah. who got murdered, and they're trying to communicate to you how they got murdered and with what weapon and where, but using only these really like. Um, difficult to decipher pictures and so they're trying to give you all pictures with circles so you see the thing that looks like a circle it's super cool it's collaborative like we really enjoy that one too so those will probably be our go-tos uh this coming friday all right i had to look it up okay obama llama <laughs> is a it's a rhyming game and of course the reason we've never heard of it is because it was first released in the uk and it was re-released in the u.s uh, with a different cover and more U.S. tailored game contents, maybe that's a different name. Even I don't okay. know, but yeah, it's a rhyming game uh, where you just, you rhyme celebrities with the thing that they're doing, like uh, George Clooney doing a Mooney, Harrison Ford swallowing okay. a sword, things like that. That so. it makes me it's, see we smart. <laughs> I have the uh, that is not a Kenny game. <laughs> well, it, it can be. You don't know. I mean, you got to try it, right? I, I I have the good fortune where. I, work that we actually have a board game library with like i think it's like 900 board games at last count so um 
I can't wait to go in and look and see if we have more of these games awesome. available to try. Um, and uh, definitely would encourage if anyone uses their local library, talk to them about getting board game libraries because board games are very expensive and hard to store. Um, but mm. yeah, there's, there's Sushi Go I've played through my board game library. Um, I played a game actually with uh, Elle's wife and with my brother uh, recently that was based on Choose Your Own Adventure games. I think it was called House or Choose Your Own Adventure Books, pardon me. I think it was called House of Darkness. And and you have it's very like low risk kind of game and everyone sits around and you read the tile cards and decide if you're going to take option A or option B and get different items that can help make things easier. There's just all sorts of really cool Ooh. board game content out there now. So thank you for modifying the question to include board games because I know we don't usually talk about that since we're an Xbox podcast, but it's nice to give them a little feature here. All right, yeah, let's bring it back sure. to food talk. Right. So we, we, didn't, we, we didn't do our sides. We didn't do our sides. All right, let's do it. Lightning I know I forgot something. All right, Jackbox, you've been uh, relinquished. <laughs> All right, well, uh, candy. I'll, start. I'll just gonna go. spit out candied yams for me. Uh, my wife makes an excellent candied yams. It's boring to say stuffing. I'm going to say stuffing. I like oh, stuffing. Boring. All right, I'll go. We'll just go in the same order. Um, my wife and I just love green bean casserole. Like, unironically, mm-hmm. just love it. It's <laughs> like, delicious. That all the time. Like, if we, if we don't have that, it's, it's no good. Me personally, I need sauerkraut and and or kielbasa uh, as a side. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, sorry. You and my mom. It's my German roots, apparently. Yeah, it's apparently my a mom German tradition. Always brings mm-hmm. both of them things. Yeah, it's a German tradition in Maryland. Yep. So. Brooks family and my and my mom had to have the uh, sauerkraut. My mom specifically had to have the kielbasa. What about you, Kenny? What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Oh, I'm trying to decide between two. I can't pick. That's it, okay. so I'm say them both. Mention them both. First is sweet potatoes. It's a it's my grandmother's recipe, and now my mom makes it since she has passed. And it's no one makes sweet potatoes like her. It is the absolute best. My mom is a better cook than your mom. And then uh, the other one is deviled eggs. I love deviled eggs. I could eat all of the deviled eggs that are brought. Well, I will be over then before <laughs> you get to them because I love deviled eggs, but we never um, have them. Yeah. Oh, you're missing out. Um, My mother-in-law starts to, is the one that brings them now. And I'm just, just like, just make, you know, two or three dozen because they're going to get devoured. Especially for you, Nate, you put a little Old Bay hot sauce on it. Of course. (laughs) They're so good. And my family was, uh, you know, we always had, uh, Elle's going to get angry at how I pronounce uh, Italian words in American English. Uh, My family was always big on having manicotti at uh, Thanksgiving. My dad would make his... It's uh, it's, uh, stuffed shells, essentially, but it's tube-shaped instead of shell-shaped. Um. And my dad would make his own sauce, and that was always a big deal to have at our Thanksgivings. Uh, and so far as sides, uh, actually, Elle's wife makes turnips at Thanksgiving, and they're delicious. Like, what? I've never done that at my Thanksgiving. My, it's just a white carrot. It's, 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 it's delicious. No, it's the uh, rutabagas. Rutabagas. I, I know what a turnip is. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever even seen one in real life, but like I know they <laughs> it, exist. It really kind of has the, the, <laughs> the consistency best. almost of like mashed potato, but it's sweet. It's it's really good. Um, so those those are favorites of mine. So thanks for listening to our achievement podcast where we've talked about food and board games 
for a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to know what everybody everybody's favorite side dish at, yeah, at Thanksgiving. Yeah, I want to hear about it. I'd love to hear people because I've heard about sauerkraut at Thanksgivings before. Actually, a, a different podcast I was listening mm-hmm. to, they were talking about Thanksgiving fixings, and someone raised sauerkraut, and the other host was like what sauerkraut and he's like well that's the guy who ran the who hosted yep. thanksgiving is german and that's the thing in german thanksgiving's frequently to have sauerkraut so i heard that before so if i yeah, yeah. as i say if i don't get mashed potatoes green bean casserole and sauerkraut it's officially not thanksgiving it's just dinner <laughs> i know we need more holidays <laughs> that basically are an excuse to have a buffet of home-cooked dishes that, that's really all it is we call that thursday <laughs> all right so I, I'm sorry, Michelle, but now I, ha- I also have another question. Yeah. Does anybody do anything different or kind of weird outside of what everyone does? I'll I'll start. So one of the things that has always been on the table for my family is mayonnaise. We always have like a little bowl of mayonnaise for us to like dip our turkey in and eat it like that. Oh, my dad ate his turkey that and- way. It's not as unusual as you think. <laughs> that was definitely his thing. For leftovers, yeah. yeah. Leftover oh. sandwiches, absolutely. But directly on the turkey, no. No, not directly on. But I don't like slather the turkey Instead in it, but like gravy? there's like a bowl. No, side of uh, just like it's just a bowl of mayonnaise that we put on the on the table, and like you would get like a scoop of whatever it's- to put on your plate. I put a little scoop of mayonnaise on it, and while I'm eating my turkey, I periodically dip it in the mayonnaise. It's like ketchup and French fries. Yeah, but but not at all. <laughs> <laughs> See, a lot of people look at us like, "What?" When I say that, because it's just it's different, and that's definitely different. And inevitably, like- somebody always grabs the mayonnaise to, to you know spread that on their biscuits or croissants, whatever one we have, thinking that it's the butter, and it's hilarious every single time someone does it well, and that, takes a bite. That's worth it. I was gonna say that sounds suspiciously like putting uh, steak sauce on steak. It means your steak wasn't that good to begin with, so you need to uh, hide it. You don't need no mayonnaise oh, on no. turkey. Turkey's amazing. Little gravy. Oh no, my turkey. My turkey stands on its own. It just the mayonnaise, mayonnaise makes it better. Mm. All right, just gonna put every condiment in the fridge on the table and see what people say, <laughs> including Old Bay. Just gonna. Do it up this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can't think. Yeah, I can't think of anything weird other than the sauerkraut. Like I just know that a lot of people when I mention that they're like, "What?" Oh yeah, yeah. obviously uh, cranberry jelly, but it's got to be the jelly straight out of the can. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, um, you gotta I can't have take the ridges. Can't take that real. Yeah, stuff. I don't want yeah, any you can't have that real chunks. Stuff. Like, yeah, no. my mom. My mom brought a homemade one, and <laughs> no one touched it. <laughs> my my mom it would. So she would spend like yeah. an hour or so <laughs> making that every year. Yeah, and I'd just no. be like, "Why are you wasting your time?" This thing here is like, seventy nine <laughs> cents. <laughs> you're the only person that wants that. Like, I want the ninety nine cent or the seventy nine exactly. cent <laughs> ocean spray can. You know, yeah. Yep. <laughs> you have to punch a hole in the other side so it swoops sl- out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I want. I mean, if it doesn't have the ridges, how would you know to how to divide it? Like you gotta right. cut along the ridges, get a nice perfect circle. Well, we I guess we use our spoons. We just spoon out a bit, but yeah, we're savages. <laughs> so we, we, we pre-slice it before we put it on the table. We we don't want to. We can't trust people. They'll they'll take too much more than their fair share. Uh huh. 
Honestly, if someone had deviled eggs, I would just I would I would steal that when no one was looking. I would just take it out to the car and they'd be like, Where's Nate? I don't know. He's been gone for fifteen minutes. I just come back just covered in like <laughs> a deviled egg at the corners of my mouth, in my beard. That would happen. That would that would happen. Deviled eggs are so good. They're perfect. Yeah. All right, yeah. send me your recipe. Somebody. I don't have a recipe. No, it says well, uh, your grandmother rook. made it. Send me send. Uh, my mother my uh, grandmother. Yeah, my mother-in-law makes it. Mother-in-law. There you go. All right. Well, tell See, mom. I need to know attention. how she does it. Tell Mama Brooke yeah. to uh, send me a recipe. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like that recipe as well. I'd like you all to make that recipe and invite me over. <laughs> Let's do it. They're so good. Oh, that's what we need to do one year. All Just right. giant, you know, achievement hunting just nothing but deviled eggs. Like, <laughs> end of the table, just like different varieties of deviled eggs. Some people do a, a Christmas egg party. cookie exchange. Yeah. We do a deviled exactly. egg exchange. Deviled egg exchange. Can we make oh this a gosh. thing? That we need to. This is genius. <laughs> All right. oh Trademark gosh. this right away. All right, everybody. Cooking class is dismissed. Frick. Move on. Anybody, like, really hungry right now? Yes. Keep going. <laughs> Eating popcorn. All right. Uh. Well, I had something else, and I've now totally lost it with the ju- <laughs> with the brilliant deviled egg exchange. Um, oh, that's gotta that's gotta be a thing. I'm googling that while you talk. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, uh. Thank you all for responding to that and be sure to let us know what your answers are or any other commentary down into our dis- our discord and podcast discussion. Yeah, please. Um, please listen to the show. And, and I mean, uh, if you listen to the show, pop a comment in podcast discussion. Tell us what you liked. We want to chat with you all. Yeah. Your favorite devil egg. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's how we'll know Jersey. you listened. That'll be our secret. It's just between you and are I. Are going to say out loud that that's the secret word? Sure. I'm just about to say that. Whenever, Honestly, yeah. If you post I, a deviled egg uh, description, yeah, we're going to enter you into a giveaway. Absolutely. Oh, there we go. There we go. But also, just as an end capper on that particular <laughs> segment, we, we would be remiss if we didn't say we were thankful for everyone who listens to the show, downloads the show, participates in the community in whatever way, uh, mm-hmm. but especially to the patrons who've really helped us continue to create this content, continue to do giveaways, continue to support the just the show itself by providing these patron questions and answers. Uh, so thank you very much to all of you, especially. Even mental? Yeah. Even mental. Oh, we love you, mental. Sometimes. Why are we calling out mental? It's just a thing we do on here, Michelle. Oh, okay. I guess I'm rusty. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get into the game showcase. Uh, Nate, what game would you like to talk about? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to make a joke. Um, Jusant. Okay. Sounds talk like Jusant. <laughs> does. Uh, nice. Probably because it's also from a French developer, <laughs> much like the croissant. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you win these French games. Buttering me up. I tell you. Two uh, in a row. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back to my uh, Asterix and Obelix next, right? Uh, like that's, that's just gotta make it three in a row. Um, Maybe. so Jusant, uh, is, uh, came to Game Pass not too long ago, October 31st of this year. Uh, and 
knew from the instant that we saw it on that little showcase that this was a game for me. Everyone um, did. If that means anything to you. <laughs> if, if the term Nate game means anything to you, it absolutely is a Nate game. Uh, this game is very pretty. Uh, so what is it? Uh, in Jusant, you play as a girl, I'm pretty sure, uh, and you are um, climbing. You just start off, and you're just climbing this cliff. Uh, why are you climbing the cliff? Well, it will become apparent to you as you go that um, somewhere, and there somehow in this world, uh, water uh, went bye-bye, and uh, oh. everyone started climbing I think up. <laughs> it's kind of hard to follow all the Wait, um, the notes. The story is all told through uh, collectibles. So little notes that you pick up, you're reading notes that people left for other people. They migrated off of the level they were on up this uh, this cliff or up the side of this uh, huge mountain. Uh, and they left notes for, for loved ones, uh, you know, that, that weren't making that trek. Or I guess we're going to come through and pass and see that, oh, you know, the higher up people have already moved on. You know, here's a note for the people that would come through. So you'll see things about like um, commerce, like, oh, you know, we had this shop here and we would sell this and that and the other. And like water's getting scarce. And so there is a story and you'll get it from that. But that's not that's not why I came for this game. I came to this game because of how pretty it is. Uh, and just, um, you know, just the, you know, the actions that you're doing, uh, the way climbing works, uh, because that's a huge part of this game, uh, is that anytime you climb, um, you will attach kind of like a backpack rope that's like self-retracting, uh, to a wall. And, uh, at that point you are free to walk off of ledges. Uh, if you, if you're not attached to a wall, the game will not let you walk off a ledge that would kill you. Um, so, so don't worry about that. Don't worry about like, oh, I'm going to fall and, you know, I'm going to find all my way back. No, the game does not allow you to do that. Um, anytime you're going to fall or try to go off a ledge, you have to like click into the wall. A lot of times, most times, there'll be like a specific thing on the wall that it's like an indicator, like, oh, here's where you're going to climb. So you'll go there and you'll climb, and then you're just going to be using your right trigger and your left trigger to uh, to move your hands. Um, so if you kind of hold one, it's very hard to describe. <laughs> if you hold one, your other arm will reach out and you kind of steer it with your right stick. Uh, and then you click your, uh, your right trigger and you grab. It's don't even listen to what I'm telling you. Just try it, and it'll after like a minute, it'll become instinctual, and then you'll be like, "I don't even know how to describe this." You're right, Nate. I'll be like, exactly, I right? I understand exactly what you're saying, but that's just yeah. because I'm watching clips while you explain it. Yeah, it's, don't even worry about it. It won't even matter. You're just it, you'll eventually get to the point where you go to a wall and you just go click, 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 and you just like flick it on the trigger sticks while you're just steering with the right. You won't even have to think about it, but it will take you a minute to get the hang of it. Um, you also have these three pitons. I looked that up. That's how you pronounce it. It's a piton. It's a, um, it's a piece of metal that you hammer into a wall and it serves as kind of like a, a temporary checkpoint, basically, while you're climbing. Because, uh, you, you have a bit of stamina and when your stamina runs out, you you fall off the wall, but you don't die because you're attached to the wall. So you're just, oh crap. I now have to kind of work my way back up to where I was. You can kind of reel yourself in on the on the line to get up to uh, wherever you're attached to, whether that be the wall directly or a piton. Um, so let's say there's a really big stretch you have to climb up. You go up to a certain point. If you see that your stamina is uh, dwindling, you can click in on the left stick, and that'll kind of like let you pause, get a whole bunch of stamina back. But like your max stamina will be decrease the higher you go up. So every time you take a break, you have less stamina that you can regain. Uh, so you'll put in a piton. 
that'll allow you just to hang there, not do anything, kind of plan your next little bit of motion or wherever you're going to go. Uh, you can't just free climb everywhere. This is not Zelda. There are clear indications on the wall what you can do. There's like little handholds you can sort of see, like little ridges in the rocks. Sometimes there's flowers. You'll climb up vines, things like that. Uh, and actually, at one point, you'll have to climb up bugs. There'll be bugs that are moving along the wall, and you're holding onto them like little, uh, you know, moving uh, handholds. And so they'll kind of carry you uh, through little stretches where there isn't a place for you to grab. Um, so, yeah. So the climbing mechanic itself is... Um, it's, it's interesting. It's different. It's never been done. I've never climbed like this before, and I enjoy it. Do I want it to be in every game? No, but in this game, it works well. Um, you also have the ability to swing. So once you, uh, once you have a binding point for your, um, for your line, sometimes you just kind of like run along the wall. It's actually kind of fun when you're first doing, <laughs> when you're first getting into the game, kind of seeing how things work. Just kind of like running along the wall, just left and right. And it's, it's interesting to see character. Uh, adapt to the wall and, and how the model uh, reacts to that and, and, and does that. And that's fun. Um, every now and then you'll come across like what's clearly a shortcut. And you're like, oh, that's great. I'll, I'll do this shortcut and that'll be available to me later, right? Right? No. Right. Oh. Uh, so the shortcuts are <laughs> shortcuts are only good for while you're in that current chapter. So if before you leave a chapter and, you know, good luck trying to figure out if you're going to leave a chapter or not. Um, and you want to circle back and kind of lurk, look for other things, um, you can use those shortcuts then. But uh, if you come back and via chapter select, those shortcuts that you opened will not be opened again. You have to reopen them, which I think is a mistake. They, I think someone missed that in a shortcut to get the game out. I'm pretty sure that should have been what, what that was for. Um, uh, in the game, you have a pet companion. That pet companion can be used to do an echo that'll help light up dark areas that you're in. Um, it'll also um, point out uh, collectibles. So you'll see like three different colored kind of glowy lights like way off in the distance. That'll tell you, oh, here's that type of collectible or this type of collectible. If you're also in an area with like a little note that you can pick up, sometimes that, that'll be uh, more clear that, oh, hey, there's a note here as well. Um, speaking about the collectibles... When you're done with the game, you can, via chapter select, look, look at each chapter, and you can see exactly what you missed. It'll say, you know, one of three, you know, one of 12, or, or however many. And when you go to look at the collections, you can tell specifically which ones you're missing, so you can kind of match that up with an online guide to help you get directly to the thing that you're, you're missing. So clean up is something you can do after. Just enjoy the game initially, whether that means you just want to blaze through it and get to the end, or like me, you want to kind of go and explore every nook and cranny uh, and experience the whole world. When I did it that way, playing that style, I only missed like um, six of this one type of collectible and like three notes. So my cleanup was pretty easy to do, but I spent a lot more time on the game on my first playthrough. Um, yeah, uh, the, the game, like I said, there's there's no... Um, you know, there's no audio to tell the story. It's all done through notes and through um, like little cutscenes, And it's very pretty, very much a Nate game. If you uh, have played one of those games I've talked about before, uh, like I said, if, if you know what that means, this is that. And that's what to expect. Uh, this is Jusson. Very nice. So, I'll, uh, so just yeah. watching clips of this, this actually looks kind of interesting. The way that you have to make your way up the cliff and whatnot. Would you compare this to like the parkour and Assassin's Creed or is it just like totally different feeling? 
Uh, maybe. Um, I, I think Assassin's Creed is a little more automated. Like you just kind of like aim in a direction and your, your guy will do whatever, you know, whatever assassin of the month you're playing will climb up that direction. Um, whereas in Jusant, like you have to kind of steer through. Uh, and sometimes when you're very clearly trying to get to this one handhold, sometimes you have to kind of like jiggle it a little bit to get over to it. It's a little less, um, automated, a little less, uh, refined. Um, but you know, like I said, it's, you know, it's its own thing and you kind of get used to it just like hammering on those triggers to kind of get from place to place. So I, you know, the game is published and developed by Don't Nod, right? Which is mm-hmm. yep. uh, most oh, wow, known probably for that. Life is Strange. Is is there Absolutely, anything yeah. in Jassant that, like, I, obviously the gameplay is very, very different, but is there anything, like, in the DNA, in the look, in the scripting, anything that would remind someone of those other properties? Is this, is this incredibly distinct from that? Well, the protagonist is a girl. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> So that's number one. That's one. Um, but no, I, I, it has nothing really to do with that. There's no um, kind of like decision making uh, or, you know, uh, you, you know, uh, <clears throat> kind of like, uh, you know, the type of decision making that you make in Life is Strange. You're like, oh, this makes this makes a difference to the outcome. Well, no, it doesn't. Like um, in this game, you're just going, you're searching, uh, you're either finding collectibles or you're not. And you're just getting from beginning of the level to end of the level. And you're kind of just experiencing uh, the story that they're that they've laid out for you. So Nate, you're so humble. Hey, you're what's so up, humble? I just okay. want to congratulate you for completing the game. Oh, thank you. Because you never, you know, pat yourself on the back. I'll pat you on the back. Oh, okay. You am were I, am like, I high up on the list. Um, you were like one thousand something. That's pr- that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I thought you said that. I thought you said yeah, one thousand one hundred seventy-five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't and, think um, I was that that high up. You, you were climbing. The, never mind. <laughs> I tried this last time too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, it's funny because like everyone seems to be completing this in like twelve hours, and it just seems so long now. <laughs> but it seems like perfect. Like, yeah, it, it looks like I did twelve hours. Oh exactly. wow, that's a twelve-hour game. Well, it's only a 12-hour game if you explore every nook and cranny. Like, I walked along every edge of every wall just so I wouldn't miss a collectible uh, and just so I would kind of see everything that there was to see. I still missed stuff. Uh, The one area uh, where I missed, like, three or four different types of collectibles was a place I didn't even know you could get to. Um, And um, so, yeah, so I was very thorough. Uh, I know Corey was not super thorough, um, and so he had a lot more cleanup to do. So it's all about how you want to experience the game. Do you just want to get to the end and, you know, get, you know, get from here to there, you know, kind of more of a straight beeline through the level to kind of see where they want you to go with the level and then do your cleanup later? Or do you just want to get all the nooks and crannies so you don't have to do some extensive cleanup? I think because of how far apart the chapters are and the fact that there's no like checkpoints in the chapter for you to, to zip to, uh, you have to play when you do a replay, you have to start at the beginning of a chapter and go all the way uh, through. Uh, if you miss something at the very, very end of the chapter, uh, you would have to play pretty much the entire chapter. Once you pick up a collectible, it's saved. But if you just unfortunately missed that thing right before the next chapter, you're going to play the whole chapter to get to it. Um, and so I, I didn't really want to do that. And I also wanted to just see everything there was. So I, I took more time with it. I know other people are completing it faster, but they're also using guides. There are decent guides out there, but you know, there's video guides. There's, there's also text and picture guides. 
And so when I was doing my cleanup, that's what I used. I found a couple uh, that, that had a good description and good pictures of that helped me get the ones I was missing. That's cool. And it's uh, Play Anywhere, which is also cool. So you could... Oops, I, only played it on the X. I only played it on the Xbox, so I don't know. I don't know how that works. Well, that way you can actually climb a mountain with your laptop and then play uh, up there on the mountain. See? Deep. Yeah. Totally. Play it in a plane. Yeah, this was a this looks like a cool little game. I, I remember when this thing was first uh previewed on whatever showcase it was. Literally everyone in, in the Discord that was watching the showcase was just like, oh, Nate's loving this. Nate's loving this. Oh yeah. He's gonna be playing yeah. this day one. It was great to be surprised and to have it in short order and to just kind of work through it. So it was, it was great. I liked it. Now, if you miss a collectible, is it easy to go back to? Uh, well, you do have to go back to the beginning of a chapter, but they they do a pretty good job of in the interface of the game itself, letting you see which chapters you missed stuff on. And then if you go nice. to the collections, you can see which specific ones you missed and kind of plan how you're going to get it with guides. Okay, cool. Yeah, looking through the achievement list, it doesn't look like there's anything too, too difficult. Just more just... Explore the game, collect everything. A lot of this stuff looks like you'll get it through your normal playthrough. Cool. This is what Game Pass excels at. These nice little adventure-type games. Just little different experiences. Oh, what's the retail? Uh, uh, 25. Re- but I was getting serious Rhyme vibes. Um, R-I-M-E yes. vibes. Uh, I can see it. But but with so much more climbing, you know, and, uh, but yeah, if you liked rhyme, it's kind of got that same kind of color palette and the same kind of feel to it. It's just, uh, but it's all about climbing. Yeah. This thing's got 40,000 people tracked on TA. I wonder how many game, how many this would have if it wasn't on game pass. 1,000. Well, at least yeah. five less, you know, at least five fewer. <laughs> and TA gives it a four, 4.01 rating. So, Everyone that plays it likes it, so that's cool. All right. Yeah, that was uh, just Sant. Tune in next week to see what other French game <laughs> Nate decides to play. Uh, Michelle, what game do you want to bring to the table? Well, part of why I stopped recording so frequently is because I just really found like it was hard to come up with content to talk about. Um, so it was good to have a little breather and have some time and try to sink into a game or two here. Um, so something I've been hoping for a long time with random to-do list is to get one of these longer games in my backlog to appear on there multiple times. So I'd be encouraged to play through that game and really spend time with it. And that happened this month in the form of World of Final Fantasy Maxima. Uh, which appeared four times on random to-do list in very different spots and was a game I had not started. So, um... This is, unfortunately, it's not a Game Pass game. Uh, it is, I think, $40 on the store, but I, I'm pretty sure Elle and I found it at like, Walmart for $8 or something. They were clearancing it. So there are other ways to get it that aren't Dang. quite so expensive, although those are physical copies, obviously. So World of Final Fantasy Maxima is kind of s- typical JRPG fare in a lot of ways. You play as a pair of twins named Lon and Rain. They have awoken one day and they lost their memories and they, it's not that they forgot, they're lost 
which is something they establish early on. And that's pretty much as much as they establish about that. Now, what's cool about World of Final Fantasy Maxima and what I didn't really realize, although if you look at the game's cover art, you'll recognize a whole bunch of Final Fantasy characters, is that it really brings together all these different elements of the Final Fantasy universe into this JRPG. And in addition to that, it has a Pokemon element. So as you go through, you Ooh. see different enemies. Uh, you Every time you see a new enemy, you get this prism and or, or a prismarium, pardon me. And you can use that prismarium to catch the enemy that you're fighting by meeting some condition. You can figure out the condition by casting what they call Libra, which shows you the enemy's stats and such. So a lot of them are do damage to the enemy to create an, a priming opportunity. Um, but sometimes you have to put them to sleep or you have to use fire magic. So there's this big element of catching these enemies. Now, why are you catching these enemies? Well, it's not like Pokemon. They don't fight for you. They fight with you through this concept of stacks. So the two main characters are unique in that they are what the game calls giants, spelled with a J, meaning they're big size. But they have uh, chibi versions or small versions, which are called Lilikin. And most of the characters in the universe are Lilikin. And you stack yourself and two of the enemies you've captured to create stacks that you fight with. So when you're Lilikin, that's a medium-sized creature. So you can stack with a small and a large. And when you're playing as a giant, you're a large-sized creature. So you stack with a small and a medium. And stacking allows you to access different abilities from the different creatures that you're stacked with. So you can do neat things like if you have a, a sm small size dragon creature and a large size dragon creature, you can stack with both of them and that'll unlock even more powerful lightning magic. And it's it's a really interesting concept. Um, but the gameplay is still very much JRPG. And I know I'm, I'm kind of guilty of this, that I've kind of come up with a couple stacks that I like, and I haven't changed them all that much through the game. Uh, achievement wise, I'll get into it a little more later. But th there are achievements for like, um, maxing out 100 Mirage boards, which are the ways you power up these, these mir Mirages are what they call the enemies. It doesn't benefit me to keep using the same couple, but I'm not really so concerned about the achievements right now. So I haven't been playing that way. Um, uh, so to go back to that, the mirages, which are the enemies you capture, each one has a board. You spend uh, experience points on that board to unlock different skills, to unlock more magic, to unlock more accuracy, and so on. So that's all gameplay stuff. And the gameplay stuff is fine and, and works exactly the way it's expected to work. But what's really been great about the game is actually just as a person who played Final Fantasy games, like 100% through till 10 seeing all the different characters come back through see being in towns where there's covers of the music that played in those towns that's been awesome and on top of that the game is very smartly written like there's a lot of really punny humor because it, it's meant to be kind of lighter side it's not meant to be really heavy and dark um there they reference, uh, for those of you who've played Final Fantasy X, there's a pretty famous scene with some awful laughter, and that gets referenced in this game. So they do a really good job, if you've played Final Fantasy games, of really bringing in all these different elements. There are amazing character descriptions for all of the mirages. Uh, for example, there's one called a Reaver 
a reaver moo and it makes a point of like why would this be called a reaver moo it's not at all because it came from the town called river bell and that was a mistranslation that we decided to keep so it's it's really cool about these sort of fourth wall like we know you're playing this because you like this franchise and might not play it if it wasn't called final fantasy maxima wink wink uh also to my understanding final fantasy maxima is actually like sort of a a game of the year edition type deal final fantasy maxima had come a world of Final Fantasy had come out previously with additional content that granted extra characters. And um, there's this place uh, called the Coliseum where you can battle certain enemies. And this uh, game put that all together. There are extra dungeons that are a part of it. So it's all put together in this package of Final Fantasy Maxima. Um, so yeah, I am loving just playing the game. The achievement list has no missables. So there are annoying achievements like, again, completing 100 Mirage Boards. I believe there's a Collect All Treasure Chests achievement. But it's not like Lost Odyssey where you can lock yourself out because a place becomes inaccessible. Everything is accessible at whatever points. You can travel back and forth between worlds. So I had thought initially this was going to be like Kingdom Hearts where you travel to a, a, you know, a, an Aladdin kingdom and then you travel to a Snow White kingdom. It's not that way. It's definitely more blended but you can still get everywhere that you need to go. So as somebody who enjoyed Final Fantasy games, especially those first 10, I'm loving going through this. And it does, it doesn't stop there. There are characters from 13. There's a character from Dirge of Cerberus, from Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. So it really brings in the entirety of the Final Fantasy like mythos into it, as well as having its own story, which just feels so secondary because it's really about all those other moments where you go, hey, I recognize recognize this and this part is cool. Um, I've put 30 hours into it. TA's estimate for completion is 60 to 80. I move very slow. Like how long to beat says it takes about 35 hours to complete the main story. And I'm on chapter 18 of like 21. So maybe I'll hit that. But there's a whole post-game part two, I believe. So anyway, I'm loving it. I'm having a great time. It is not a quick game with quick achievements, but the achievements are are generally not challenging. They just require time. So I see that there's one achievement for reached an ending, and then there's another one for reaching a true ending. Do you know how many endings there are? I think there's only the two. I think there's just a false ending moment. So I don't think it's like a, wow. a Chrono Trigger where there were like eight different endings and you can finish the game at different points. I just think you probably, the, again, there is a story that the two kids, Lon and Rain, they're, they're Mirage Keepers. That's why they're able to do this sort of Pokemon hunting thing. Their mom is sort of this mysterious, very powerful Mirage Keeper that you're trying to go find. So there, there is, and there, there are all these other characters sort of acting against you or watching your progress. So uh, again, to my assumption, there is a false ending, and then you eventually get to play through to the real one. Uh, and also, as a side note, there is, I, I haven't used it myself, but there is a very detailed walkthrough on true achievements for the game as well that goes through all the different monsters and stacks and how you unlock them and all this other stuff. So uh, I plan to refer to that once I'm doing cleanup, but that is available. Uh, I wouldn't recommend using it on your first turn, but it is available if somebody's interested in it. That's good to know. Yeah, just seeing that, and you mentioned that there's like characters from all the different games and whatnot. I was made me think that maybe there was like maybe an alter or an alternate ending for each 
uh, game featured or whatever. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't think so because you don't really like every now and again another character will join your party. So like Rydia from Final Fantasy Four joins your party briefly. Uh, but what that means is when you're if you go back to the world map after a battle at less than half health, she heals you. Like Bart's from Final Fantasy V briefly walks with you, but you don't really get them in your party as playable characters. So they're very much just sort of NPCs in this oh, universe that exist to help tell the story. And it's just fun every time one of them shows up. But there's like one scene where you're riding on a on a tortoise, essentially, and then uh, Riku from Final Fantasy X just sort of pops out of the water and you're like, oh, I didn't expect that to happen right now. So they're they're just they're just interwoven throughout the whole game in a way that isn't like compartmentalized at all ah okay yeah this sounds pretty great if if you're a fan of final fantasy it's i'm enjoying it but i i will give the caveat that it is again it's very lighthearted. it doesn't it's not trying to tell this deep serious story or anything maybe it'll take that turn at some point but it, it really is not that and the writing is is really like it's it's fun like the amount of terrible puns in the game i can't even think of any which is unfortunate but like there there just there's so many in the game cuz the um the brother lon he's he's yeah. kind of portrayed as a like you know a good-hearted kind of dumb kid and he just is totally played that way and it's it's excellent i like it and i was watching a couple of the clips for it and i like the way it looks like it battles. That all looks neat. I can do it without the chibis, though. I don't get the chibis thing. <laughs> well, and that's the, like I said, that's most of the framing of the game is that's how most people look. The the giants, the big size characters, most of them are part of the, like, enemy army. So people are distrusting of, of giant characters. And I don't, again, at this point, I it hasn't delved into that stuff. I imagine that's the design of it. It's not going to get too much deeper into that stuff. We'll see, but it's it's really more about the paths you cross as you go through, or when you're walking through an area, um, and you recognize like, oh wait, this is this song from this title. Like that's the stuff that's really uh, engaging that. about it. Yeah. So it doesn't really work well as a entry point, right? Like if you haven't played a Final Fantasy no. game before, it's probably not the best. Well, it's not that you really need work. to know these characters right but it's better for it the the game functions totally fine like it's it's and it's very easy to pick up like one of the common critiques of final fantasy maxima online when you read reviews is it's easy um and and there are things you can do that are more difficult but the core gameplay is not meant to beat you up um they actually build in like a storyline reason for like if you lose in a battle this little character that travels with you gives up one of her lives to revive you and bring you back to the main town so that you're okay so with very limited exception there are certain battles that if you lose you just lose but if you lose pretty much any other battle you just wind up back at the main hub area and you're able to continue on so it's a good entry point in terms of not being overwhelming not being super difficult but someone new to the series wouldn't wouldn't get any of the stuff that that's sort of like oh yeah i get this and this is kind of cool they may not it may not be worse for that because they won't know they're missing it. But, um, but yeah, it, it's definitely better if you know the, the source material, I would think. Not to mention, this doesn't look like your uh, stereotypical Final Fantasy. If you're trying to get into Final Fantasies, 
you play this and then go on to 15 or 10 or whatever next it's going to be very it could be very different yeah especially f- just from the artwork right and and there's obviously a tonal difference and also like they actually they they recognize in this game that you're eventually going to be walking at areas where you're more powerful than the enemies that show up so you can just hit whichever button select is these days and that goes to auto battle which just means it just attacks so you do that you can hit oh that's so you nice you can hit the right bumper to speed up time so you, you do that and you can breeze through the battles really quickly without even thinking but in that's a nice quality like of life. Final I Fantasy like fifteen, I, I don't think something like that is present because there there are things that are made to make it a more relaxed sort of RPG experience. It's cool. Yeah, I was surprised that there was no big square sale. This has been as low as sixteen dollars. And Square does them in their time, and that's like if it sounds interesting. Obviously, I know we all love our digital catalogs and you don't want to get up and change discs but i wouldn't be surprised if the disc is really 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 affordable at basically anywhere because i I can't imagine it was a super big seller or anything like that so uh, it may be worth looking into a disc if you want it as uh inexpensively as possible but 16 would be fair i like it's 40 dollars normally and i think that that's that's a very fair price for it like if i had bought it at that price i wouldn't have been upset with it only upset at myself for waiting you know 5 years to play it but not not at that price point point. ta says it's a 60 hour game so even at 40 bucks you're getting your money's worth and I, I still think it's a 60 hour game if you know what to do so like i've poked around a little bit and there is there is something that uh, increases the amount of experience points you earn after a battle and so if you get that obviously it'll make some of the level grinding stuff easier but if you don't know that if you're not aware that that's a thing to go find in the post game it could take even longer so just as usual with ta those take the time estimates with a grain of salt because they're generally given by people who know what they're doing since they bothered to go for the completion uh, and it may require research to do it in that time frame if you're just looking to play casually, it'll take longer. I don't think you mentioned it, but does it have any sort of like game within a game like Chugobo racing or raising or any of that stuff? Or is it just straight game? I haven't encountered that, but in the hub area, uh, one of the places you can go to is the twins bedroom. And that's where you go to see like the encyclopedia sort of information, like the character list and the enemy list. But one of the things you can access is a mini game list. And still when I access it, it's just a bunch of question marks because I haven't encountered any mini games. So there are some, I suppose, but I haven't encountered them as yet. There is also a, like a two player mode. There is some kind of multiplayer mode in Maxima, but I, I'm not, Again, I'm not sure what that is. I haven't tried to use it. I think there may be like an online multiplayer component, but there are no achievements attached to it. And I, I really don't think I'd have much luck if I randomly tried to go in and find somebody else playing at this point. So that might be attached to the mini games thing. So short answer is there are, but I have no idea what they are as yet. All right. Well, if nobody else has anything to add to that. Uh, once again, that was World of Final Fantasy Maxima. And with that, uh, let's get into some sales. Now it's Black Friday, and there's all kinds of stuff that's on sale. So, Nate, 
what are some of the ones that you picked out? Okay. So, I know I kind of have a reputation <laughs> uh, for listing a lot of games. Oh, and maybe that maybe that causes you to not really pay attention. This is one of those times where I think you need to pay attention to uh, the words that are coming out of my mouth. Um, because some of these are, you know, they haven't been out that much or they're games that people haven't played. And maybe you want to take a look. Uh, first up, Eight Doors Aram's Afterlife Adventure. Wow, that's alliteration. $4 down from 20 This is Metroidvania platformer. It's 20 to 25 hours. It has hand-drawn art. Uh, it's based on the Korean afterlife worldview. Uh, this game looks pretty cool. Um, four bucks, done. Uh, next up, Tesla vs. Lovecraft Game of the Year Edition. $6.30 down from $18. i have talked about these games before. This is a twin-stick shooter. Shoot em up. Uh, 10 to 12 hours. It's a 10 tons game. I love them. Uh, and you must love them too. Next up, now this is where you want to pay attention. Retro Machina. Now this is a game I don't believe we've ever talked about before. I don't know that anyone's played don't it. I don't think so. It's $7 down from 20 It's an action-adventure isometric view, uh, and it is mostly exploration with environmental puzzles and combat, and it reminds me of Bastion. So while you're watching gameplay videos, I was getting Bastion vibes. Uh, uh, so it's Bastion with puzzles, and there, uh, minus the narrator, I didn't hear any narrator. Uh, and uh, it doesn't look like there's a ton of combat, uh, but there are boss fights and there's little encounters. This game looks super cool. Uh, I think you should check it out and see if it's for you. Next up, uh, Chronicles of Two Heroes. These are criminally underrated games or underplayed or under, I don't know. I think you should check them out. Chronicles of Two Heroes, $10 down from $25. This is a platformer that reminds me of uh, great uh, NES-era combat platformers like Ninja Gaiden or uh, uh, Sunsoft Batman um, or more recently, uh, you know, games from this current system. Uh, the Messenger, uh, it plays a lot like that. Uh, it's got one unobtainable, uh, which is a big turnoff for some people. However, Vudix's project Resero, uh, their Discord hints that there's a patch coming out. It could be as uh, early as late this month. So it could, you know, we've got like another week or so left. Uh, it could be completely obtainable, completely completable this month. Uh, maybe next month, maybe never. I don't know. But check it out. Uh, and lastly, Oddballers, $8 down from $20. Uh, that's the lowest priced ever. It's a sports dodgeball party game. Uh, once again, this mm. is Ubisoft, which means that as soon as I buy it, it'll be coming to Game Pass for you guys. But if you How also nice if you also want to play it, uh, like I said, $8 down from 20 It looks fun. Uh, and I was doing a little research into the achievements. It seems that uh, while a, most of the achievements that say uh, it must be done online, you can uh, invite a friend to your game and you can start the game before other people join. I'm guaranteeing you, without having seen a thing, that the servers are probably dead. <laughs> and you can turn off crossplay to make them even more dead. Uh, and then you can start the game when only your friends are in and then you'll be playing against bots. So you can kind of, uh, you can kind of grind it uh, if you want to. Um, but yeah, so check this out with, with a special focus on Retro Machina and Chronicles of Two Heroes. I think you should guys check those out. Uh, they look cool to me. See it? All right. Uh, how about you, El? Oh, I saw another Nate game on here, The Last Campfire. That, yeah. Never heard of uh, it. <laughs> What's it about? It's about $3 instead of 15 So that seems good. Do it. Do it. I like cheap games. 
Uh, Duke Nukem 3D 20th Anniversary Edition is $2 instead of 20 These are great deals. I mean, as it is, that's a good deal, but it's also a cheesable, easy completion. So um, you're going to want to grab that. And going back to what Chewie mentioned earlier, Hogwarts Legacy is on sale. And I think mm-hmm. the Xbox One version is $35.99 and the Xbox S slash X version is $41.99. Uh, yeah, so Xbox One version is normally $60. That's $36. And the uh, series version is normally $70. That's $41. They share an achievement list, so if you don't care about uh, graphical fidelity and all that fun stuff, go for the cheaper, I yeah, guess. for an extra six bucks, you may as well get the series version, I guess. It's a pretty issue would be you can't play it on the other Xboxes around the house, but that's okay. I'd go pretty on this one. Interestingly enough, the digital deluxe editions are not on sale. I imagine... They include stuff you don't need for achievements, but would be cool to have, like a new hat or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a new mount that you can fly and, yeah, robes and stuff. I think it might be time to grab this one now and hide a digital game from my kids until Christmas. That do, That's a good that idea. Possible? I suppose it is. Buy it as a code. Buy it as a, oh, buy it as a gift. Look Get at the you. Gift code and don't don't redeem it until Christmas. You yeah. forgot that was a, even a, an idea, but it's a good one. That's why we're yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Who's next? Uh, I'll be Ooh, next. So a couple of games that I'm going to recommend, you know, once again, trying to find something a little bit different or not Game Pass. Uh, first one I'm going to mention is Monopoly Madness. Uh, yeah. It looks like Monopoly, but with more madness thrown into it than it already is. It's like Monopoly meets, uh, what's that game? Mario Party, that game? sort of, <laughs> kind of. I don't know. It looks crazy. I'm here for it. I like me some Monopoly. Usually thirty dollars. It's seven forty nine right now. So yeah, I'm gonna ch- I am gonna check that out. That's a nice sale. Second game, uh, a newer game. It came out uh, late last. Well, wow, it came out a year ago. I was thinking it was 2023 game. Uh, Sonic Frontiers. Usually sixty bucks. Right now it is twenty four dollars. Uh, I like me my three D. Sonic games. I like 3D Sonic better than 2D Sonic. And I have a friend that actually has this and he was showing me some gameplay and some of the boss fights and oh my gosh. It looks awesome. The soundtrack is amazing. I've been listening to it on Spotify. Uh, Kellen Quinn of Sleeping with Sirens is on one of them. Is on one of the songs and it is a freaking banger. It looks like a really good game. I'm really interested. I want to really want to play that. And the last game I'm going to recommend, which is a Kenny game, uh, Two Point Hospital, but specifically the Jumbo Edition. It's basically just, you know, Two Point Hospital with all the DLC and stuff like that. Usually $40. It is $10 right now. 
Uh, I believe Two Point Campus is still Game Pass. Actually, no, I think that left a while ago. Uh, it's it's the Two Point. You're, you're, it's a simulation management game. You have to have you have to build up a hospital and run it, treat patients and all that. But being Two Point, it's very goofy, very silly. I played a little bit of it forever ago when it was in game pass and i loved it i loved two point campus so this being 10 bucks i think i'm going to grab this and be able to jump back into it and there are the three games i'm going to recommend so michelle i mean already so many great recommendations to not play with your family during thanksgiving so i'm going to recommend one more um (laughs) and i'm recommending this because it actually came recommended from mdp who i believe played it recently for random to-do list Uh, and that's shady part of me this is a puzzle platformer it's normally 15 dollars. it's down to 450 which i believe is the lowest price it's been at it's six to eight hour game uh, it's also part of the Focus Indie Bundle, along with Curse of the Dead Gods and Aeon Must Die, which is um, down to 16 from its normal 40. So if you're in, interested in any mix of those games, that's a good way to go about it. But specifically, Shady Part of Me has been recommended. I set a price tracker. That price tracker sent me an email today. So I think I will be picking that one up. All right. And with that, we also have some stuff for Game Pass out right now for you to be able to play and enjoy on game pass is persona 5 tactica on cloud console and pc this is in the persona universe it's their strategy turn-based game as the name would imply and this is actually play anywhere and play anywhere and uh x cloud touch controls Ooh, uh, wait, no, touch controls just means that's a controller on the screen. Never mind. Uh, either way, you can play this anywhere. So that this is actually probably a really good pick it up, put it down game. So that's cool. Um, and ter- turn-based on-screen touch controls aren't bad, right? Because it's right. turn-based. You don't Correct. have to worry about your, your thumb getting in the way. Yeah, whenever I see touch controls, I think, oh, I can tap the screen. No, it's it just has a controller on the screen. But yeah, this would actually be, assuming it is exactly how i'm uh, it i think it is and it's not like real time uh this would be a really good game to be able to play on your phone being slower paced even if there is a lag it's not a big deal it's not gonna hurt now okay speaking of real-time games we have a real-time strategy game dune spice wars for the cloud and a console uh that is coming out November 28th. I have no idea. I, I know nothing about the Dune universe, but I know people like it. So, And there is also note here that some achievements may be broken and may be fixed on the console release. So, yeah, maybe keep that up. Keep that in mind. Also coming is Ark Survival Ascended. Uh, it, it's Ark. It's, it's more Ark. It, you know, the survival open world. Uh, game <clears throat> and there might be console commands when it comes <laughs> <laughs> they're adding notes to the doc there's a, I read it. there's a and forum just... post there's a forum post that says console command guide when <laughs> which is what everyone's thinking they just wrote it down yeah Eight. I think this is basically just arc one but re Master-ish kind of thing. 
I don't know. I'm not an ARC player. I've only played it a little bit. Uh, November 28th also features Roller Drum, a first-person shooter. Yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. And, uh, we've talked about that before, and I think this the this next game is the first game that we haven't actually mentioned. Uh, December 1st, SteamWorld Build, a simulation management game. Now, Nate, is this one that will get you? Is this a sim management game that you'll be able to play? That we'll be able to get you to play? Maybe. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like that I might play it, but yeah, maybe. Uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I assume you like the SteamWorld Dig games. I do like the SteamWorld Dig games, but I haven't really played them. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, long-time man. listener, Corey. A long-time listener, Corey. Uh, yeah. Had, it was reviewing this for his uh, his website, and um, it might have the world first on Steam World Build. We'll know once Ooh. they add achievements to TA. But yeah, he he really likes it. So uh, so maybe I don't know much about the Steam World uh, Dig games, but I like sim management games. Coming another one add to Game Pass. Okay, there's one Steam World game we didn't get that uh, like PlayStation got. That's the one I really wanted to play. It was just kind of like a shooter, like but it was like a 2D uh, like shooter. <clears throat> um, so I really wanted to play that one, but we didn't get that. Instead, we get the simulation management. So I don't know. I'm kind of bitter. <laughs> All right. Well, we have some games leaving at the end of the month. First up is Anvil. A roguelike shoot 'em up game. It's going to take you a whole lot of time to complete. So if you haven't started, you're probably not going to start now. Uh, and the really unfortunate part is that the servers are going offline at the end of this year. So if you have started it and you do own it, now's the time to try to hurry up and complete it if you want to get that completion. Along with that bad news, uh, once again, you know, Battlefield 1943, Bad Company and Bad Company 2 are all leaving EA Play. And as such, their their servers are also going down uh, December 8th of this year. So you have two, three weeks? Yeah, three weeks to complete those. Or try to get as much out of it as you possibly can. Uh, we have Disc Room is leaving Game Pass. Action game, four to five hours. So if you start now, you can probably get this done. And there are accessibility options to make this game a little bit easier. Someone who's been playing that game. Way easier. (laughs) Not just a little bit easier. Way easier. Yeah. It's actually kind of fun. I I, I was really bored uh, when I turned the accessibility options on. I was like, this is dumb. Uh, Let me put put some challenge to this game. So then I played it for a while, uh, you know, at natural difficulty. And uh, then once I hit, like, the wall, I I went back to uh, accessibility options. I think that's a fun way to play it. Next up, we have Eastward. Is leaving a 35 to 40-hour action-adventure game. And Nate talked about this on level 273, the game's passable segment that he's been doing with Freem. So you can check that out to really dive into that one or hear about their analysis on that. And then last... But not least, we have Grid, uh, another game leaving EA Play. This is a sim racing game, which is over two hour, two hundred hour completion. So, yeah, 
have fun completing that before it's done, before it's gone. Uh, yeah, that's all the Game Pass games. So I just wanted to quickly mention there was a TA article that came out um, which tells us about a bunch of upcoming Xbox server closures in November and December. I don't believe there's anything we didn't know about, but it puts them all in one handy place. Uh, Gundam Evolution shuts down November 29th. Uh, Rocket League, there's uh, the player-to-player item trading is going away, and there's achievements that will probably be harder if you don't just do that. So uh, get that done if you can. Uh, Battlefield 1943, Battlefield Bad Company, and Battlefield Bad Company 2 are going away December 8th. And Mirror's Edge and Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Although I believe Mirror's uh, Edge doesn't have any achievements that will be affected. Crisis 3, December 8th as well. Uh, Dante's Inferno. I know people are scrambling now to do those trials. Good luck getting those done before December 8th. I've heard they're very hard. And Dead Space 2, but there's no achievements impacted as well. And as you just mentioned, Anvil is going away December 31st. And NBA 2K22, there's a stack, and they're going away December 31st as well. Uh, As always, if you need help with any of these games, we have a, a general boosting room in which you can put a request to play any one of these games and hopefully someone will help you out. So I've made a lot of friends due to boosting games, so don't be shy. Um, Fufu will play any of these games with you, he told me. Uh, And he will play Rocket League with you if he installs it again. Good times, good times. That he will. I don't know why they would remove the player-to-player trading, to be honest. I feel like they've changed. I don't really you know. Kind of had my ho- Go ahead, Kush. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, you had my hopes up that we were never going to have to talk about uh, Rocket League again uh, when he said the one servers of, were closed. It's one of the few games um, that we would want extra teams <laughs> and It's just. We don't want to play for fun. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think they've changed a lot over time with the items and how they're accessed and all this other stuff. So I. I don't really get why they would close it in one hand, but it seems that the, I, I think sort of the evolution of the game has taken them that way where there are other marketplaces and things are trying to encourage you to get these items through. So uh, yeah, it still seems like a weird call, but uh, it's also not surprising given the game's changes. Yes. Just weird to do it so late in the life of the game. Like I can right. see when like you don't want to have to navigate around the complexities of this ecosystem and that ecosystem. But uh, okay, yeah, well, get those it's done if you have game. to. Oh, I did forget to mention the sales real quick. That the game that X talked about last week, uh, Life is Strange: True Colors, is seventeen ninety nine, seventy percent off. So that's uh, if you missed it on Game Pass, that's a way better price than it was last week. Black like Friday sale is actually uh, pretty good. Go through life. Life is strange. Games are on sale. A lot of times you say, "Oh, this is something they've done before." But as Nate said, pay attention. There's stuff that's been hasn't been cheaper than it is now, and there's some good stuff. True, and there's a lot of it. All right. Well, with that, let's get into our final segment, which is brag camp. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get into our final segment. Which is Brag Camp. Up first is completions. Scott Arvese has completed 550 games. Magic Monkey has 
completed 1,850 games, and Mental Knight 5 has completed 1,950 games. 50 more. Crazy. In streaks, uh, Jay Black is currently on a 50 day achievement win streak. Uh, Wazari DK is currently on a 150 day achievement win streak. Ace is currently on a 200 day win streak. Domain with 600 days. Neo 21 with 850. Fluttery Chicken with 1,300 days. And Prince It with 1,400 days. In gamer score, Jay Black has reached a new milestone of 650,000 gamer score. And then that's it for people that are sub 1 million, as JZARP has hit 1.1 million gamer score, and Z Drunken Monkeys and RPG Davey have both hit 1.4 million gamer score. Jeez. Wowzers. In leaderboards, uh, not much here. Fluttery Chicken is in the top 10,000 of the TA leaderboard. Very nice. Getting up there. And Alex R. Davies, hopefully he's doing well. He's in the top 2,000 of the TA difference leaderboard for RPGs. So he's still playing. Nice. So I don't think I got tagged for any brags. So I'm not going to point out anyone's cool completions this week. Hmm. Seeing all these million plus gamers, uh, gamer score milestones, I want to like compare one of these lists with like episode 20 <laughs> on the show and just see what it was like. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I mean, Look at uh, five years in the making, Thanksgiving four years ago, and, and like... see how far <laughs> people have come. Yeah. All right. Well, that will do it for us this week. Great timing, as my voice is completely shot at this point. Yay, this time of year, everyone's sick. (laughs) As always, thank you all for listening. Obviously, this is Thanksgiving week in the U.S., so everyone's pretending to be extra thankful before we go kill each other trying to get save $10 on a TV on Friday. But truly, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for those who are part of the community in the Discord. Donate to us on the pa- for, through the Patreon and all that. We do love you all. We have the best community. But with that, class is dismissed. See you all next week. Bye. <laughs> Happy turkey. Gobble, gobble. Hello and welcome back, finally, to another segment of Masterators, where we sit down and we talk about the games we play, how we rate them, and why we rate them that way. We are... (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Keep it. Keep it in. That's gold, Chewie. (laughs) Got it in one. Joining me, Chewie on Ice... Again, is the lovely and wonderful Vulgar Latin <laughs> and the lovely and wonderful Michelle Maitrop. I'm not even going to attempt that noise. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. Well, it was kind of a send up on your uh, verbal thing there, and it kind of turned into a putty from Power Rangers. Yes, that is what it sounded like. I don't know that <laughs> reference.
And oh. I'm happy not to. I'm happy not to. It's fine. Don't go into detail. Let's talk about games. <laughs> this is our eighth segment, and that means we're talking about our four rated games. Uh, we are talking about good games. I think solid good games, mm-hmm. not goodish. Good. That that's 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 four for me. That was good. I came away and I felt good about it. Do you concur on that? Yeah. Well, do you feel good about them being good? So, here here's my thinking. I feel like the older I've gotten, the more difficult it is for me to assign something a 4, and maybe it's just because I've played more and I have a like a, a better sense of what distinguishes an average game from an above average game because I feel like when I was looking at my list of mm. fours uh, a lot of them are games where I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. Was that really a, like, was it really that good? I'm not 100% sure. I was definitely a more generous grader, you know, a decade ago than I am today. But yeah, I would say it's it's good, you know, solidly good, tending toward great, but not quite there. That kind of deal. So you think you've kind of become a grumpy old rater? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's part, it's part of mastery. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. I mean, I mean, let's get to it. Let's talk about some actual games to kind of back up uh, our feelings on on the rating. Uh, and I am going to go first. I think I'm going to steal the spotlight. The first game I'm going to talk about is a game I don't imagine a lot of people would rate as a four as a good. And this because is because it leans more heavily into a genre that I enjoy and a style of game that I really love although it is flawed so that's not what makes it great for me and that game is Maze my people call it corn yeah wait no yes Maze it's Maze with Mm -hmm. an I not yes so Maze meaning corn it is a first person adventure game some might say walking sim uh, although it's actually much more involved than that, there is more collecting and puzzling and exploring than just walking from you know point A to point B. So I think calling it a walking sim gives it a disservice. What makes the game special and stand out is it is, in my view, hilarious. It's very well written. It's very humorous. It's very silly. Uh, and Python-esque in its humour, featuring, as it does, uh, talking corn uh, or maize, who are subpar intelligence um, and like to be very silly, and also an animatronic teddy bear, Russian animatronic teddy bear, uh, who's very deadpan, and various other silly, kind of jokey, fun kind of characters and a crazy, nutty kind of world that you get involved with. Scarecrows that come to life, corn that's alive, various things that shouldn't be alive that are alive, but in a fun and silly way. Uh, And you kind of unpeel the world of this, um, basically a bunch of science experiments gone wrong. And yeah, I really enjoy it. Have you played it? I have dove it. I have not. I only know two things. One is that is sort of a walking adventure type of game, and the other is that it has a speed run achievement. Yes, and therein lies the flaw. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that brings it from what would probably be, for me, 
not maybe not five star, but four point five. You know, easily uh, the the speed run brings it down. Not just that, but it's a single playthrough without turning the game off speed run. <laughs> Uh, it's an all-in-one speedrun, uh, so you have to play the game beginning to end without t- turning it off, without closing it down, within a certain amount of time. And what makes it worse, and what happened to me, is it's also a bit crashy. So the, the game is in, in kind of acts, and the first part of the game you play on the outside, in, in, in cornfields, and various buildings leading to um, a secret underground laboratory. And then the rest of the game pretty much you spend in the laboratory up until the very final act. And in the transition, so I guess about a third of the way through the game, on the lift down from the um, outside to the inside, uh, the game crashed on me, which was really great fun when you know you're (laughs) having to start it from scratch in order to get that you know you've got a choice right at that point do i carry on i've got to save i can carry on but i will not complete it in this run or do i start fresh and hope against hope that it does not crash again i was lucky in that when i chose the second option i played it through from the beginning and it did not crash on me and i was fine oh good but yes that 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 is what pulls it down from me but not enough to take it from being a game that I thoroughly enjoyed and appreciated because of all the other elements, because they they kind of speak to me and why I like games and the kind of games that I like. Just kind of joyful, silly, fun, irreverent. And, and humour that I... Humour is divisive and different types of humour is not going to land for different people. So you could start playing this and think, this is not for me, and that's fine. Uh, but it is definitely for me. So if you like silly humour, you like kind of Monty Python type humour and that kind of over-the-top silliness, a bit of surrealism uh, and WTF stuff in there as well, then then I think it's probably for you as well. Crashy speedrun aside. Well, yes, of course. So I'm looking at the TA page for it. And I see it's listed on there as a, a one to two hour completion, but the the top review says mm-hmm. it takes about four hours to play. And I'm guessing that's a natural playthrough, just trying to get through it. Um, all that to say, I see that the average rating on TA is just below a three. How much do, of that do you think is attributable possibly to people thinking, hey, this is going to be this easy one to two hour game and they encounter crashes or there is this speed run? Like, what what do you think contributes to... Uh, there are 450 votes on the game so it's actually got a decent vote pool so what do you think contributes to it being kind of overall rated a little bit lower i think because those people are probably normal people who (laughs) probably thought that it was an okay game because honestly speaking it is an okay game and i I think think ta people are normal at all (laughs) well fair enough that's fair um i think um it's not everyone's kind of game. I mean, it is a walk. It's a, it's an easy walking sim, and I think generally speaking, that isn't for everybody. I think there'll be a lot of people who prefer more game in their game, gameplay, shooting, whatever, action, fun, and this isn't that type of game. So, if you're just going into it for game score, you're not going to get much out of it. But if you like narrative adventure games that are fun and silly, 
then I think you might lean more positively on it. I would hope. Okay. I probably lean extra positive on it just because it speaks to me and I don't expect it to speak to everyone in the same way. So three seems fair. Okay. If you're a normo. <laughs> Yeah, and, and yeah, just just great fun for me. And I and there are similar ones that now I can't remember off the top of my head. Her Majesty's Spiffing is a point and click adventure, which similarly is quite kind of it's kind of this British humour, this kind mm-hmm. of silly, incredibly British. Yeah, I really enjoyed very that British. one. And Maze Maze is similar. <laughs> Maze Maze has a similar kind of mm-hmm. vibe about it. So if you like okay. that, then I think you'd probably like this in in a similar kind of way. There are two characters that you never see in the game, pretty much, but they are instrumental to everything because they are the scientists behind everything. But you really get a sense of their characters because. Throughout the laboratory, you encounter post-it note exchanges that they've left to each other because they hate each other. <laughs> There's this animosity, <laughs> and it's it's nothing. It's not part of the achievement. It's just something you discover as you explore. And if you're doing the speed run, you might you know avoid them entirely. But you know, I couldn't help but sit and and read these these hilarious post-it note exchanges between these two scientists who who hated each other's guts um stuff like that is just it's just fun it's just nice little details um that make it uh joy for me my second game is quite a different game and i would call it a uh, an easter egg or a hidden gem oh, okay <laughs> maybe i would say personally it's uh well okay it's not i don't think anyway wouldn't be considered a triple a game i think it's probably one that would pass people have passed people by at the time uh maybe i don't know it's not it's not massive it wasn't a blockbuster it probably i think it even didn't do very well critically or commercially i'm not sure i don't remember but it is a game i enjoyed uh similarly because i think it did something a little bit more special than just the standard anyway i should say what it is it's the saboteur the saboteur Saboteur. And I, I basically only chose it so I could say saboteur. Saboteur. <laughs> saboteur. Saboteur. Yeah, it's, it's an EA game. It's made by Pandemic. Those are the same it's a, it's not a AAA. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't, I don't think it was a blockbuster. Or at least maybe because it didn't do so well. Maybe I, that's why I think of it like yeah, that. It didn't set the world on fire. And at that point, they were publishing uh, stuff like Mirror's Edge and stuff like Dead Space. Things that weren't. Uh, or that were original IPs that weren't already established and they kind of had a stretch there where they're like, yeah, all these things were okay but didn't do quite as well as we had hoped. So, you know, Mirror's Edge took a very long break before a second game came back and they did give Dead Space another try. Mm. But I think Saboteur was a little ahead of that grouping of EA original yeah. IPs. I, yeah, that's kind of why I bundle it in as like a not a massive blockbuster. I mean, there wasn't a sequel. It wasn't, it wasn't a huge commercial success. I'm sure there were loads of people who have never even heard of it especially now, uh, because it's an old 360 game, it's not backwards compatible. Um, it will be not in a lot of people's collections these days. Um, and we'll, I will probably never get a remake or a remaster or a sequel, I think, at this point, it's fair to say. But anyway, it's a it's a World War II third-person open-world shooter, which is not my bag, usually. it's It's a flooded market place of at least you know world war two shooters anyway but what it does a bit differently is it has a very very kind of cool noir aesthetic it is literally like a desaturated 
you know, world, kind of Schindler's List-esque in that kind of way. Um, So it has this kind of really cool kind of noir vibe about it. The main character is this almost kind of like Ezio-like, charismatic, womanizing, jokey Irishman who shouts obscenities at Nazis, you know, in that kind of... So it's kind of a fun kind of protagonist to be playing as. And the mechanics are, you know, aside from the kind of main storyline, which is fine, I don't really remember it much, but I'm sure it was great, (laughs) you know, fighting with the rebellion against the Nazis, you know, fairly standard. But it did this kind of just cause kind of thing, I think, is probably the closest comparison, where... You are in Paris and the surrounding areas of Paris and throughout the world there are Nazi encampments and technology and vehicles, tanks, um, missile bunkers, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And alongside uh, the storyline, you can go around and destroy all of those things because as the saboteur, uh, you're, a spe- <laughs> you're a specialist with uh, explosives. So you carry around dynamite and you plant them on these things in secret, hoping not to be spotted by Nazis, and then watch the world burn. Um, and you're, it's, it's a big giant tick list, basically, kind of similar to the Just Cause games in that you, know, you have whole areas that you can clear of Nazi influence. And it's this kind of weird mechanic where... In the same way as I think, like getting completions and achievements is I quite like to do lists <laughs> and uh, having a, a list of areas and seeing the, the 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 percentage of you know how many things you've still got to do kind of fall down. Uh, it appeals to me, um, even though it's mostly busy work. But but doing it in this kind of fun world that they create, um, you know, it, I, I enjoy it. I liked it, um, and it has. Um, the storyline is, is is pretty is pretty okay, but it has a, a kind of a grand finale in the Eiffel Tower in in Paris. So they make the most of the setting and the location and and things. Yeah, I think it's a good game, and it's kind of a shame to me that that I don't think a lot of people will get to experience it at this point. I thought the coolest bit was that uh, you could tell at a glance which uh, spots were uh, enemy occupied because it was black and white, and as you liberated it, they turned to color. Yes. That yeah, that's cool what it, yeah, this whole this aesthetic thing that kind of, like I say, the kind of Schindler's List type aesthetic that they go for or, or Pleasantville or any of those kind of desaturated kind of things. Um, and then, yeah, they play with color in a neat way. I just, I feel like I, I clearly missed the boat on it. Like I played Abitur, I did not get far into it and just, it didn't click with me. Like I, I can't even tell you what it was because it was so many years ago at this point, but I just, felt really early on like I just I I wasn't in whatever the game was trying to get me to enjoy mm-hmm. but my memory of the game obviously isn't great because it's been a little while every time I hear others talk about this game it sounds really great like and, and I see it sitting on my shelf right now as we're talking I'm like you know mm-hmm. just just next time you spend a half hour waiting for your 360 to turn on maybe put this game in mm. the disc tray and see what you get out of it but I, I just don't know I don't know. I so my rating is based on me playing it ten years ago or whatever it was and mm-hmm. enjoying it at the time. 
and getting something from it. And I'm having a hard time remembering all the details, uh, except for the fact I did enjoy it. Um, mm -hmm. But I would probably still, you know, as I say, it's a shame that people don't play it now, but I would also find it hard to recommend now because I would think it's feel probably feels incredibly dated. Right. If you don't mind going back to 360 games uh, that haven't had the remaster, reboot, port, update, sequel treatment, then you might get something from it. But you might find it is the, the load times are probably horrendous. <laughs> you know, it's probably a bit janky, a bit slow, a bit clunky in the way that that era of games probably feels these days. So I, if I played it now, I might even rate it lower, you know for those reasons mm -hmm. but at totally the time understand. it did it it uh, tickled my fancies it did it did what i wanted uh, and i enjoyed it i took i took something from it, it and, and like i say that's also that's also stacking it up to other bland generic shooters that are, again at the kind of time kind of we're talking uh, you know early 2010s whatever teens 20 teens this was 2009 i think it came out so yeah Oh, yeah. So even late. Yeah, yeah. So there were a lot of generic bland shooters being churned out around the time. And I feel like this one stood out because mostly because of the design and the aesthetic and those choices that they made, made it made it stand out. And that's it from me on those two on my good games. Good games. Good game. Good game. Devon, Vulgar Latin, hit me with your games. Sure. Um, so first, I'd like to talk a little bit about a... Well, it's on Game Pass now. That could change by the time this release. It's called House Flipper. House Flipper is one of those uh, games that's kind of like the simulation genre, where you are given a task. Uh, you have decided to become a person who buys and flips homes and renovates them. <laughs> and uh, you also are a part-time contractor and gardener. Depends on the expansion. And you go to people's houses and they give you a task. And they're like, they have a little story and it's kind of fun to listen to the stories for me. Because then I just destroy these people's homes in <laughs> doing exactly what they tell me to do. Which is probably my favorite part of the whole game. Wait, so, so griefing them? Oh, no, 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 no. Just doing what they asked how they ask me to do it. So maybe sometimes when they tell me to put a fridge in, I put it so that the uh, door to the fridge is towards the wall. The <laughs> fridge was in the kitchen. Sometimes I just paint things in a way or don't put backsplash in tiles specific ways. Uh, there was one mission where it was like, don't let the dog out. And I wanted to see if there was a failure state. So I physically picked up the dog and put him outside. There was none. But that's what made it so much fun. I giggled <laughs> like a little kid. What makes that game so much fun is just maliciously complying with what they want me to do. And I find it both... One, because like, kind of like what you said with the open worlds, when you have a job, it's just a little like tick marks. Because you have mm -hmm. to 100% all the jobs. So I'm going in and ticking off all the little boxes. And I find that very pleasing. But then also, yeah, just destroying people's homes for my amusement. And and doing those things 
is still achieving the objectives but doing oh yeah it. they pay me they <laughs> yeah pay me not, they come away and like thank you thank you for such a great job well done <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, one time they wanted two toilets so i made them face one another <laughs> they, that's all they, <laughs> all they wanted was two toilets in the room once you realize that all you need to do is put the thing in the room mm-hmm. you don't have to make it make sense they didn't ask for that this isn't even like in unpacking for example right like you're supposed to put the items in the correct spaces, but you can turn on an assist that allows you to just drop them anywhere. So this isn't an assist. The game is built uh-huh. from the beginning for you to go, yeah, two toilets facing each other. That's totally what normal people have in their home. The game's only checking if there are toilets All right. in the room. I, I would do things, too, where it'd just be like, oh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's like a hand towel rack. And I'd put that facing the opposite wall as high as I could. <laughs> because no one stopped me mm-hmm. and it made me laugh and those that hours and they keep releasing dlc and i am excited every single time because that just <laughs> means more jobs where i can just maliciously comply and also you know i could bring my pets liam and henry because <laughs> they had a pets expansion and i gave wow. one of them is a cat with a little top hat and uh, the other is a pug with a hard hat so not the pets of the people who own the house. Your you have your own pets. I have my because, own physical because pets. As a house flipper, having pets <laughs> is some kind of important part of the yes. job. Yes. But. And they actually level up and grow with you and you wow. have things in your area. Yeah. Okay. That's unexpected <laughs> content. But only if you have the pet DLC. And that's a big problem with this game, is like each DLC is twenty bucks and there's like four of them. Ooh, oh, okay. They know what they're doing with that. <laughs> now, is is the game done with DLC now, or is is more on the horizon? No, no. They actually just released another pack, or are releasing. The achievements are out for far. Okay, but it's like one's garden, so you can do gardening, luxury, mm-hmm. which allows you to. Oh, that was another fun one. You can restore antiques. And they just want you to make them clean. They don't need them to make sense. So I would stain it so that the colors were all wrong and dye it pink because I could. And just make a really ugly artifact because it made me laugh every time. Do you think then that your kind of good rating of the game is more based on your own personal enjoyment from being a terrible person rather than <laughs> the actual quality of the game itself like if you were trying to if you were trying to be objective i know it's it's hard when you're reviewing obviously and ratings aren't objective by their nature but if you really really try to is it a not really a four star game well i i mean no well i think it could be i think there's some things that are kind of jank about it that really hinder it like sometimes when you're putting down floor tile it doesn't necessarily tell you where you're missing spots Mm. um and you have to there's this really obnoxious leveling system where you have to you like slowly learn to paint and then you get better and the game is very slow when it starts out because of that and can be kind of obnoxious that's what's really dragging it down for me but it does have some value it's not poorly made Mm-hmm. It just has some weird bits to it. And for me, the actual, like, the jobs and everything, that's just a side thing. You're supposed to just buy property and fix it to your own liking and then sell it back. 
and that's like the crux of the game but i don't like that part at all and i rarely i just did what i needed <laughs> to for achievements right the actual flipping bit isn't isn't the interesting bit yeah yeah as it turns out you can just sell the house and like nine times out of ten they'll sell it for more than you put in even if you did nothing I mean that's real estate. I mean house prices are constantly going up. You know? <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. I was like, I yeah. was like, this isn't house flipping simulator at all. Yeah, you could just buy a house, sit on it for a few months, and then sell it, and you'll make a, an extra hundred thousand pounds in it in this country. I yeah, second. Yeah, it was how it was. Like I immediately closed, and I was like, okay, auctions up. We're selling. Let's go. And people would have to think it was haunted. I have a prejudice, I don't know where it comes from, against a lot of these simulation games. And I think that's because they were kind of a joke for a long time when they kind of started being a thing. And there was like bus driving simulator and truck mm-hmm. driving simulator. And hey, you leave truck driving simulator alone. That has a, <laughs> that has a following. But they well exactly. But they were fo- they were have a following because well in my view and, and it was with no experience of them it was because it was like the so bad that's good kind of thing and hey watch me trying to drive a truck isn't it terrible ah but then I don't know if I was wrong in that assessment or just that actually they've kind of got better and more refined as they've gone along but some of these are genuinely popular and and in some cases well made games and. I'm starting to actually see the appeal in some of them, <laughs> even the weird, like specifically niche ones. Like, I, I don't know if it's a secret shame or not, but one that really appealed to me and called to me was train station renovation. Yeah. <laughs> which is where you go to old dilapidated train stations and clean them up, get rid of all the trash, fix stuff, and then basically do what you're doing, you know, paint, redecorate, remodel, a train station and that's it's so it's so bland but so like zen at the same time and then when you do it you get the feeling of accomplishment at the end of it so i i, I see it i get it yeah like i think with like that or like power wash simulators another one where that's legitimate mm-hmm. i think there's something to be said that or at least for me i don't work like a job where i create or do things that i can just point to and say look at that me all that so i think there's something zen about like creating something or getting something to the end where you can kind of see your progress along Mm -hmm. in a nice manner and then you can look back and say yeah i did that do you think it maybe appeals to us especially because of the whole achievement hunter completionist thing because it is you know tick lists and checklists and probably something Mm. i mean i think with with (laughs) any game that you play it's it's all about the feedback loop, right? So it's whatever, you know, to borrow like how Freem would say, you know, whatever kicks off the endorphins in your brain to make you feel like happy with whatever you're doing. So I was going to mention Power Wash Simulator as well, because the thing about the game that I enjoy playing isn't really the gameplay itself. It's that feeling when you turn around from this like like I'm, I'm actually replaying it right now and I'm in the subway level and when I turn in what part of the subway level and it's just filthy and I turn around and these are glistening white tiles there that <laughs> bit of it is why I enjoy it so much because I turn around and I go man I did a great job here I didn't do anything but hold you know I didn't even hold a button I pressed whatever shortcut button to keep the spray going and just moved the stick up and down but there, there's something about that, and, and that's similar to what you're saying, Devin, like, I accomplished something here, and it looks nice. So it's, it's 
that's why some of even the ones that seem more like junky or jokey or whatever, there's a market for it because it's all about what is satisfying to the player of that game. So mm-hmm. it, it's just there. there is a market for all these things. And I don't really think it comes down to like how good is it as game development. It's just the feedback loop and how much you enjoy it. Well said. What's your second game, Devin? Second one is the Spyro Trilogy, the remasters of the Spyro games. Absolute gorgeous port, well, remasters of uh, an original trilogy of well-regarded PlayStation 1 games. I really enjoyed my time with all three. Um, and it just had, honestly, the feeling that I had from the end of it was that it was the best that they could do with kind of a dated premise of a collectathon, like collect all the gems, collect all the dragons, do like mm-hmm. collect all this stuff. It felt like as good as it was going to get with something that felt very dated. Did you play the originals? I played one and three. Mm. I missed Ripto's Rage. I didn't play any of those original games, but I have dived the remaster. And it seemed fun, fine, uh, nice. And I can see the value, like I can see how good it looks, especially compared to the originals. But it didn't set me on fire it wasn't like huh, dragon pun yeah well that's the that's the thing that's why i'm like it's it's only as good as it could be because if you notice uh we don't make a lot of collectathon platformers anymore mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. the ones that do are much less stringent about having to collect every single thing the only one i can think of off the top of my head is mario odyssey and that is super lenient with what you need this one is a lot more stringent about how much gems you need to collect and how many of this you need to get to where if you want to get all the achievements you have to do most uh, mm-hmm. like you have to do like 90 percent, i think or you have, and you have to do 100 percent for the two completions for one and two is there much actual difference between the three games is it like if you played them all three back to back would you get a bit fatigued because they're basically the same thing or uh, uh, is there enough a difference between them that you would be like you, you could see the advancement as they went through each one not really they still for the most part play very much the same uh there might be a different side ability from my memory it wasn't a drastic like oh well now we're in three we get to mm-hmm. go do the whatever device so yeah i guess that's opposed to the tony hawk remasters which came out kind of a similar time-ish where it felt like we had been missing that type of game there hadn't been much around but but it, it they kind of refreshed it and modernized it in a way that felt i don't know I, uh well i mean people some people might feel differently <laughs> uh, i i guess i have more nostalgia for them anyway so i'm more more lean, more more positive on those but it felt like where have these games been where have these games been it's been too long but maybe with yeah. Spyro, it was like, no, I can see why this was a thing back then, but it's not a thing anymore. Tony Hawk, though, updated it. It wasn't mm-hmm. exactly the same games. It kept all of the different advancements that they Qu- had. Yeah, they had a lot of quality of life improvements in those games. But Spyro adds some things, for sure. I didn't. Pl- I, it's been even longer since I've played the OG one. Yeah, how much of your rating of this game do you think was informed by your nostalgia for the couple you played? Like... And I guess to that, because you're talking about Tony Hawk, 
And uh, Tony Hawk is is my favorite example of like, I think you had to be there because I've played Tony Hawk. I played the remake one. I did not play it at all when I was younger. And like, I get why people enjoy it, but I stink at the game. I can't figure out how to play it. Like, thanks to the cheats, I'm able to get something done, but I I have a really hard time mastering it. And people who love it who jump around, oh, this is easy. Well, it's, it's not easy for somebody just first sitting here. So how much of, like, your nostalgia for the game and all that do you think played into your rating? Or do you think that really didn't have much to do with it because the port really is pretty direct or the remake is pretty direct from the original? I would say nostalgia didn't have much because I remember thinking, like, yeah, Spyro, when it came out, I was like, yeah, that's pretty neat. I'll get them. And and playing through them. Because when I played them, I rented them and just beat them or, or you know, borrowed them from a friend that kind of thing and mm-hmm. i remember just getting through them very quickly and being like yeah okay that's that's all right not you know, okay all the time like i did with tony hawk like i had uh did not have one and two but i had other ones and so mm-hmm. it was just like riding a bike did you also play the crash remasters i did i have mm. and i played those three when they came out how does that compare <laughs> personally i don't like the crash remaster but to me, it has more to do with the feel. Like, the game was built in squares, and they made him, like, an oblong, so it makes some of the jumps feel very off. Uh, I need to just uh, do what I was told to do and just work backwards, because that game has more quality of life in terms of, like, the slide jumps and things like that. They get used to its sort of flow. But is that in the same way Spyro may be not as successful because it's a dated format? I just felt like the collectathon format is just, it doesn't mm-hmm. appeal to me as much as it did when I was like 10 mm-hmm. when that mm-hmm. kind of stuff came out. And that could also be when you're a kid and you only have one game, the mm-hmm. appeal of going and collecting all the stuff is probably really mm-hmm. high. If you're an adult achievement hunter with thousands of games in their backlog, that hit just differently of, uh, go collect all the things, and you just kind of look at it like, oh, come on. Yeah. Just give me the prize. Luckily, I have a kid who I can just put the controller in front of and say, go collect all the things. (laughs) And he he will love it, and he will have a great time. Although he could equally as well spend an hour just jumping on the same mushroom and laughing because Mm -hmm. it makes a funny noise. (laughs) So, you know. We'll see how that goes. You don't think they could have even done much more to it to, to push it even to, into great territory. It's, it is good. It's a good remake. It's a solid remaster. It does it very well, but it couldn't do much more because it is what it is and always will be. Well, yeah, it'd be yeah. breaking the balancing act, right? If they mm-hmm. tweak it more to how I want it, then it's not a remaster of the first game, mm-hmm. is it? No. It's something entirely different. And mm-hmm. while you can do that, I find it, it's like the difference between like Resident Evil 2, the original, and then the remake. It's, they're the they're same different. kind of idea, mm-hmm. but they're not the same thing. And that one hit the balancing act a little bit better because it's a horror game, a platforming collectathon. I don't know how you update to make it more modern and still keep that collectathon sensibility. Fantastic. Michelle. Yes. What games have you brought us? I'm talking about two games that were released within two weeks of each other in 2010. So jumping back in the Wayback Machine. Yeah, we Mm. sure are. Uh, 
so the first game I'm going to talk about is Singularity. And I kind of feel like you can take basically every word you said about the saboteur and replace the saboteur, saboteur? with Singularity <laughs> and replace, <laughs> replace like fun mechanics with time manipulation. And it's really very simil- similar in terms of the take I had on the game. Singularity, uh, I played it a while ago, so pardon any uh, mistakes I make with the story, but you're there's this uh, abandoned or uninhabited island in Russia, and these folks go to research something there, and guy gets pulled into this time vortex and winds up in 1955. And you learn there that somebody made this time manipulation device, and you acquire this time manipulation device, and the game involves you going back and forth between 1955 and I guess 2010 Russia and the impact on saving or killing certain individuals and how, what that has on the world in the future. And what I mostly remember about the game is, um, again, similar to Saboteur, this was a time when a lot of these first person gray shooters were coming out with varying levels of success. Like, I read a review that compared the play in Singularity to Bioshock. I don't really have that recall for it. But if you just peel it back to a linear first-person game where you're kind of moving from point A to point B while a narrative was happening around you, it is similar in that way. And the reason why it landed on a four for me was that the story was really good. Like, I really enjoyed seeing how time changed between things and... It's also a game that had three different endings. So you had a choice, very similar to Fable 2, where you could choose three different paths. And that it had very distinct outcomes based on which one of those paths that you took. The other deal with the game that I think I rated it highly uh, for is that the achievement list is pretty solid. There is multiplayer, um, which obviously people can take or leave. I Looking back at the game, I, I apparently boosted the multiplayer after I had finished the campaign. So I'm pretty sure I reviewed this before I even played multiplayer. So I gave it a four based on the strength of how I felt about the campaign uh, when I was finished with it. But multiplayer wasn't hard to do. It's a standard 50 achievement list as uh, games at that time, uh, retail games at that time tended to have. It also had a pretty good development pedigree. The game was developed, uh, uh, the Singularity was developed by Raven Software, who still develops Modern Warfare games to this day. Uh, It's an Activision license. Uh, You know, Phil Spencer was saying recently about how maybe they'll revisit old IPs if they find the right teams to do so. And this would definitely be one that I would love to see upgraded and revisited, partially to refresh my memory, but also because the time manipulation device was a pretty cool little idea. I there is a difficulty achievement in the game to finish it on hard, but the difficulties are all open at the beginning. So if that's your thing, you can pop it right up to the top difficulty. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunately it is very similar to Saboteur. It is not backwards compatible. <laughs> so um, that is a game where if anybody has a copy, you may want to be on top of trying to find boosting sessions with all the 360 store stuff going down or whatever else. We know they're we're sort of heading to the end of that. It is actually available digitally. Um, it's one of yes. the rare ones $30. that still is, but a bit at a price that yeah. has, is kind of a bit silly for how old it is and won't go on sale before it gets killed. So Yeah, I'm sure you can find it on eBay for four or five bucks. Like I can't mm-hmm. imagine this is in the, in the long list of uh, 
very collectible uh, Xbox 360 games. But yeah, I just, I remember having a really good time with it, but the thing that distinguished it from other games to me was really the story. I just remember at the end of it feeling like, man, I, I enjoyed the ride and I didn't expect that when I started. Yeah, this is one that I found out about fairly late on and then was interested in for, for the, those very reasons that it kind of, I like cool, interesting sci-fi stuff uh, and it kind of elevated the generic shooter mechanics that were so prevalent at the time but then I think I was put off because I think I was getting a bit fatigued with all of the games with tactile multiplayer (laughs) and this Mm -hmm. I think at the time feeling like I had kind of had to do it and, and didn't appreciate it so I never got it and then it became almost like too late to get it. And I kind of just was like, okay, well, that's, I guess, one that I missed, you know, the one that got away. But now you're talking about it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, oh, see, <laughs> I could get it. I still have a 360. I want to experience that story because it was always the thing that interested me. Ooh, yeah, it's it was good. I mean, I I'm just looking back at at my achievement history with the game and it looks like i i played through the campaign in about a week and then a couple weeks later i played some of the multiplayer with some friends and then two years ago i think iron fist of stuff had it as his random game for bcm so i completed the rest of the multiplayer achievements at that time so the multiplayer meant nothing to me in terms of what i thought about this game and as a as a non-completionist learning to let those multiplayer achievements go and just enjoying a game is really important because there's so yeah. much good content we wind up missing when we're spending too much time looking at the list, unfortunately. And that's where I am now. So I'm in this place where I'm right. shedding a lot of that stuff and just saying, I'm done with it. That's fine. I can move on. I don't care about that stuff. And the whole never ending stories thing that I've been doing has been about just saying, no, ignore the rest, just enjoy the campaign. And then you can put it down, you know, put it to bed, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that part of that isn't supposed to be going and buying old games like this. <laughs> I think I think it is interesting. Yeah, it is a kind of a theme on a few of these where it's um, maybe a game that surprised us in a genre or, or an area that we would normally not rate it as highly because it because it did something a bit different or a bit better. It excelled in something. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Or like with Maze, for me, it's it's a genre that I really like. So obviously I'm going to push it up, even if for everyone else it's probably a little bit more average. And Devon just likes being a, a griefer in people's houses. <laughs> and collectible what, the, or in the collection <laughs> genre. So. Yeah. The minute you put someone's road wardrobe in so that the doors face the back of the room is the minute you truly live, brother. Uh, what else have you got for us? <laughs> <laughs> so my other pick, uh, I think, is a game. I'm. I would. I have not looked, but I would one hundred percent guess, Chewy, that you have played and finished. And I, I don't know if you have, Devin. It is Death Spank. Uh, Death Spank was released, I want to say, by Hothead Games, uh, but specifically by Ron Gilbert, uh, who mm-hmm. is of Monkey Island fame, and is frequently, I found as I was kind of refreshing myself on the game as a uh, Monkey Island narrative with Diablo sensibilities. And my recollection is not that it was very Diablo-like, but it, it does, it is framed as a series of tasks. There is a narrative that you're going through. I just remember really enjoying the fact that this was um, 
it's an it's an RPG, but there were really extensive dialogue trees, just like a Monkey Island, and they were interesting and they were funny. The amount of side tasks was finite, so it felt like you could actually complete everything. It wasn't overwhelming. And this is again was 2010. So this was a game that was maybe 1,200 Microsoft points at that time. It was you know $15, and it was 10 hours, 12 hours long. It just felt like a really good value in that package, and it was super entertaining. So and and a pretty easy completion, not quick, but an easy game to complete. So I just I remember just having a good time throughout it and being super excited for the sequel and playing through the sequel until I had a game ending glitch and never going back to it. But I really enjoyed this first game. Yeah, (laughs) it was bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you are right on the money there. This is a series that I very much enjoyed myself for similar reasons to Maze. They are very, very funny. And and I love uh, that Monkey Island comedy as well. Um, Ron Gilbert, Tim Schafer, you know, the double fine stuff. Anything by those guys I will have a lot of time for, I think, generally speaking. Uh, and I, it is a very funny light. I kind of I kind of get the comparison to Diablo. There is a kind of a dungeon crawlery, looty yeah. element kind of feel to it, or Torchlight-esque, kind of similar to that. Yes, I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I get the comparison, but it is a lot more kind of, like you say, narrative and side quest focused it's weird because in those days it was i think an easy and quick completion 10 hours yes nowadays less so unfortunately i just i didn't realize this i don't think the first game is not backwards compatible yes the second but is available to buy the second game thongs of virtue is backwards compatible and is available still to buy um and i guess will continue to be so and the third game, The Baconing, which I, I missed and didn't play, despite really enjoying the first two, is no longer available and not backwards compatible. So if you don't have it, you will never be able to play it, which is a shame. Yeah. But yeah, I did really enjoy them. And it's they are just silly and irreverent, cartoonish, self-referential, all the kind of things you expect mm-hmm. from a game by those developers. Well, I think also, and this was not part of my consideration back when I reviewed it, but something for consideration for obviously the community that we talk to frequently, the achievement list is very no stress. It's There's nothing missable. Everything's accessible at whatever time. It's mostly a single player game, but you can play it with a second person locally, I believe. So you can have someone else assist you. So it's it's really, you could just go and enjoy it at your pace and and not even stress all that stuff, which frequently in games like this, there are things that are missable. There are quests you can lock yourself out of. And that is just not the case, which makes it a very pleasant experience. You don't feel any need to use a walkthrough or a guide. You can figure it all out on your own. Yeah, I see. I seem to, I'm looking at the lists now and the first two games, like you say, the second game similar, very, very straightforward, very easy completion list, you know, nothing to stress about. I think the the one thing, the one reason I never bought the third game is because it has a slightly different list in that it has um, an insane difficulty oh. achievement, which only unlocks the insane difficulty after you've played it the first time. So you have to do at least two playthroughs and an insane difficulty. And I don't know, I just was put off by that because the first two games were just about enjoying them and having fun and, and being breezy and easy uh, but I, I mean again i should have just got over myself <laughs> and just said well i don't, I don't have to do that I just ignore that right um or maybe it's not that bad maybe it's not that hard and then i missed it sad times 
Yeah, it's unfortunate that it's in the not backwards compatible list because mm-hmm. it seems like it's it's just it's odd with the second game, which is actually a prequel, if I recall correctly. It's just odd that that's um, that's available, but not. I, I think there was some licensing with the third game that caused that to be delisted. But the first mm-hmm. two, that I don't, just don't understand why the first one is not. So that's another one if you're interested in chasing such things keep in mind with the 360 marketplace going down time is finite on that one mm-hmm. the first two games are published by ea but the third one is published by valken games so i'm guessing that's oh probably okay why the the the, the one, one is handled <laughs> differently to the other two. <laughs> but yeah yeah i would kind of hope that at some point they would be able to release a you know a death bank collection or something like that so that that people can experience it on modern consoles because i think it's definitely a game worth worth playing and it's a fun one um and one that i hope would not get lost to time i agree Mm. so there we go six games quite varied Mm -hmm. that we all consider good (laughs) quite good good enough but not quite good the way that British people say quite good. Like quite good the way quite American good, good. people say quite good. <laughs> quite good. Quite good. <laughs> yes, good job. Jolly good. Jolly good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> normally at this point we would talk about community ratings. So games that our patrons and fellow members of the H101 community have uh, rated as therefores. And I go through everyone's lists and I pull out the games and we talk about specific ones. And let me tell you, four is a rating <laughs> that people seem to have uh, ready to just rate on pretty much every game they play a lot. It, it seems to be just as, good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> I came away and I thought that was good. Four stars. Because so many people who, uh, some people who we previously haven't highlighted because they didn't rate many games lower than that, just had so many fours. People who rated a lot anyway uh, had literally pages and pages and pages and pages of fours. So it is it is hard, if not impossible, for us to be like, oh, look at this game you've rated as a four, uh, because there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds to go through. So instead of doing that, I'm just going to say, generally speaking, people's fours, on average, tended to be these uh, AAA games, quite a lot of kind of AAA games that are kind of your classic go-tos for what was a good game in the kind of um, late 360 era uh, going into the Xbox One. So stuff like your Assassin's Creed's, uh, Fable 2 came up quite a lot. Um, Mass Effect 1 was one that came up a lot. Mass Effect 2 came up a few times that I noticed which maybe might be surprising for people who love that one, but I can kind of get, I guess, why Mass Effect 1 might be not considered more than good. Uh, Quite a lot of Rockstar titles turned up, so GTA 4, L.A. Noire. A few people put Red Dead as a 4, which, again, uh, you know, that's up to you guys, but I would put it higher personally. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking, Sleeping Dogs actually came up loads as as a 4 game, which I think... Uh, generally speaking, that's considered. Yeah, that is a solid open Perfectly world game. Solid. Perfectly good. There are better ones. <laughs> fine. There are better ones. There are worst ones. It is good. Um, Rise, uh, the Xbox One launch title, Rise with a Y. Um, mm-hmm. That came up quite a lot. The Tomb Raider 
uh, remaster. They knew they were just trying to get a rise out of mm-hmm. you. Very good, very good. Yeah, basically all of those types of games came up quite a lot, as well as kind of quality indie titles, stuff like Battlebox Theater, Limbo, Teslagrad, stuff like that, which you can kind of say is uh, amongst all of the load and load of indie games out there, stuff that you kind of think, oh yeah, that one was 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 quality, one that gets talked about more often. Good. It was good. There was a couple of ones I did want to pull out. One kind of person that I noticed kind of bucks the trend a little bit was our friend Northern Lass. Uh, whose list was a bit less AAA focused and had more indies and adventure games because uh, she uh, plays similar games to I do. But one that one one trend that stood out to me was that she had rated all that I could see of the Paugi games as fours. For anyone who doesn't know, the Paugi games are a collection of puzzle games. I guess <laughs> word. Yeah, word, word letter mm-hmm. word puzzle games uh which are basically each game is a different type of word puzzle they're very almost repetitive in a way and people churn them out as kind of easy game score games as well and also they're really useful for uh, street keepers and challenges and contests uh, because there's a you know a whole load of achievements that you can get instantly I use them a lot for the alphabet challenges and things because there's a big variety there. And mm-hmm. you can just be like, oh, I need that one. And you play that puzzle with that achievement in and you've got it within minutes. But having said that, if you love word puzzles, they do they do it very well. They do it well. If that's your kind of game, yep. I can see you very easily rating them as good games. There's not another game that does it exactly like they do. No, no. If you're they in that do. kind of word puzzle. They found their niche. She also put Gears Pop as a four, so I don't think we can... Uh... Wow. <laughs> but if you take the time with the Palky games, like they also, like after most puzzles, will have some kind of pun or whatever else. So they're, you know, they're, the gameplay is simple, but they're, like you both have already said, they're good. They're good. But I, I, would, I would love, since we're, it would be an overwhelming task to pick these four fours and and go through them this way i would love for people who are listening to this to kind of look at their own set of fours and maybe highlight a four in their own review history that may not be that way for others whether it's stuff like red dead that would seem to be a little underrated or stuff like paugi that might seem a little overrated and let us know why and Mm -hmm. maybe we can even go through some of that the next time we get together to record and and you know see how people defend their own ratings without us assuming why they do it absolutely for instance Inigo Maitoya might post uh, as to why he might think Duke Nukem Forever is a four <laughs> which he did <laughs> so there we go that is our four games uh, we're back after a few months now I think uh, uh, it's of, been a of, while it's Actually, been a while do you guys yeah. know when we first started recording roughly this uh, this segment this journey is this a rhetorical question do you know the answer no i actually um looked at it earlier the apparently the 0.5 episode was recorded in march of 2022 so wow it's been about a year and a half (laughs) jeez this has been going for a while i rate our ability to record in a timely fashion (laughs) 0.5 i I, i'll put that on myself it's it's typically my availability that's 
a bit, yeah, a bit it's, garbage. It's, well, but I mean, we're we across three different time zones. We're across <laughs> three different time zones and Truth. we have very busy lives. But we love it. We enjoy it. We hope you guys do as well. Uh, obviously, we're coming to the end. So hopefully we can come up with something that will allow us to continue recording as a, as a group, whether it's this segment or something else. But in the meantime, uh, we will see you next time for our 4.5s. And for now, we have been the Master Raters. 